Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon Quest Dragon's Den podcast. This is one of your hosts, Platyam3. And this is your other host, Liam Land. So uh, I have some very exciting, very deeply personal news. Um, I just breeded Dragon Lord's first form in Dragon Warrior Monsters, and thanks to the breeding process, it actually learned Hustle from one of its parents. So uh, picture someone in your party healing everyone and like dancing, uh, healing everyone by dancing and shaking maracas and saying, come on, everybody, hustle, hustle. Only instead of Jessica, it's actually Dragonlord. Mm. That's definitely some dark news that you should have kept personal. <laughs> don't, don't need that image going in my head for the uh, next hour or two. Look, but, uh, let's, not, let's not kink shame. It's rude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever shakes your maracas, you know. We'll, it's we'll not, leave it it's not the worst Dragon Quest related thing that's been, that's been sent to me, so... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not even today. So as you hear, that was uh, definitely not Liam. We've uh, brought together quite a group with us tonight. All of them are people we've had on before. Uh, and it's going to be a little bit of a break then in our normal podcast format. We have a normal podcast format? Eh, kind of, maybe. Um Anyway, tonight joining us, we have our Dragon Quest Your Story expert, Mr. Sean Pendergast. Hey, Hello. Sorry there. Um, we've got our Dragon Quest II expert, who joined us back in the beginning of this, and graphic artist, Dwayne Bullock. Hey. And we've got another former guest, Yangus the Legendary Bandit. How are you guys doing tonight? I am here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, welcome back <laughs> to the podcast, everyone. Uh, tonight we gathered you all here, um, and just like Dragon Quest Seven on the 3DS, you have to hear the new party member music every single time these people rejoin and drop in again with us. You've already heard that. But unlike Dragon Quest Seven, we're not going to put it in every <laughs> single time somebody speaks. Jeez. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, there's somebody, there's a, there's a listener out there who's upset that we didn't play it three times. Yeah, a listener. listener I'm guys. I'm I'm gonna head out. <laughs> so if you're familiar with the podcast, you know this is a group of people we've already met, so we don't need to do the full on uh, fan interviews, uh, and we can keep this relatively short and focused on the movie itself. Exactly. So we're going to get into the movie Dragon Quest Your Story. We're going to spoil the hell out of it. So if you haven't seen it yet and would like to go into it as unspoiled as a state as you're beginning this podcast, right now is a good time to turn it off, turn on Netflix, watch the movie, come back to us tomorrow because yeah. we're going to get into the good, the bad, the cute, the ugly, hit on uh, some specific questions and things that we've seen. Um, and then at the end, we'll play a little game. Sound good, everyone? Oh, yeah. We're getting down to the real nitty gritty. We All are. good in the hood. <laughs> every pixel of this movie will be a. <laughs> Analyze every scene. Everything. So, uh, first, uh, I'll start off here and then I'll let you guys tell. When did you watch the movie? Kind of because I definitely went to bed Wednesday night with my kids at like 8 a.m. or 8 p.m knowing that I don't sleep much more than six or seven hours. So sure enough, I woke up, bolt up right at 4 a.m. and was like, yes, 
watched the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> By 6 a.m., I was like, okay, I've typed out a page of notes. I watched the movie. I uh, am good. And then actually just about three hours ago, I put it on and watched it with my two sons, uh, age three and six, and they really enjoyed it, too. So, uh, Liam, when did you get a chance to watch it? Uh, so I, it was during breakfast on my commute, and then I finished it up at the office, um, you know, in between meetings. <laughs> so <laughs> I just wasn't sure if I was going to have a chance to watch it. And then uh, I just I was telling my wife about it earlier today and she's like oh you want to watch it and i was like oh yeah okay so i watched it again with her nice so it was interesting to get a, a i'll tell you about it later but we I got a perspective on a from a, a non-dq fan on uh on the movie itself and what what everything meant to her so mm-hmm. how about you pendy uh well the first time i was lucky enough to see it in uh japan when it came out in august i was uh in korea at the time and i made a trip around that and seen some other things and then when it came out on netflix i saw it, uh, uh the day that it came out saw the subtitled version and then the next day i saw the dub version after that all right Dwayne, when did you get around to it? I saw it Thursday night. Had a little bit of a low between regular work and housework. So I was like, okay, I've got I've got about 90 minutes. So I'll just go ahead and watch this really quick because um, I think I think yesterday I had a bunch of stuff going on, and then and and then today I had a party, and to, and tomorrow I have another birthday party, and and Monday I have to pick up a friend from the airport. So this was like really the only time I had to sit down and watch it. So worked out good and uh yangus uh my case is kind of similar to uh Dwayne's. i had to watch it thursday morning uh the day when it was first uploaded i had woken up at about 7 30 and knew i had to get ready for work but i'm like i i'm not gonna really have time to watch the movie because uh, with my job i had to close every night for four days in a row today being the third day so i figured thursday morning was going to be my best chance to watch it so i just turned it on right away once i did my things or got ready for work. Well, I didn't expect the movie to be as long as it was. I actually thought it was going to be shorter. So by the time it got done, I then had to rush really fast to get everything else done before I left for work. <laughs> so I was, I was really cutting it close by the by the time for getting ready and getting out the door. But it was worth watching. Definitely. So, uh, Zachary, we'll start with you again on the uh, next thing. What were some of the moments that you found the most humorous in the movie? What did you really like? Uh, let's see. Uh, one that comes to mind is definitely when they're showing kind of the montage of Luca going through his adventure early on when he's just by himself as a young adult and when he's trying to fight the metal slimes. That was hysterical. <laughs> oh, Him yeah, smacking the one and just like shaking his body just is like subtly shaking after hitting it. And then yeah. he just you think he's finally going to get one of them and then he gets crushed by that king slime. That was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I was dying laughing at that. That was great. Uh, I actually thought one of the slimes was going to run away and then so it was kind of like a it was uh, it was a nice like uh little twist that that the king slime fell on top of him. She yeah. was, you didn't see that coming. You were expecting something else. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I found really funny wasn't necessarily just a scene but just a character in particular was how they animated uh, Mr. Briscoletti whenever oh. he was on screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. He easily had some of the best animation in the movie because it was funny watching how fast he would walk. He was a very expressive character. Mm-hmm. He, I loved his outfit, too. How he was wearing that big sort of 
I don't know if you'd call it like an overcoat or just a shirt, whatever it was. But I loved how it made him look so much bigger than he actually was. Because if you look closely, it was just this weird, puffy mess that just was around him for absolutely no reason. And he just like <laughs> waddles everywhere. And he, he was just so much fun to watch when he was on screen. And his I, sleeves are like translucent. And you can see he kind of he kind of has skinny arms. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I caught that this lat the second time through watching it. Yeah, he's like waving around, and you're just seeing like these little sticks in there of the big old poofy shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it how skinny his arms and stuff. He still has like the little round body, but just his limbs are just so noodly. He looks he looks like he could just like just start waving around or just roll around, you know. just <laughs> It just was so much fun to watch him. You didn't know what he was going to do next. Um, only other funny part then that comes to mind... Uh, let's see. What was it? It was towards the later part of the movie. Oh, I remember. It was when they reunited with Sancho and the boy Alice after Luca had been turned to stone. And Sancho just comes running up to him and he starts, starts bawling his eyes out. And he's like, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they nailed Sancho. He, he was very they funny. They really the did. Hmm. When I was doing the the um, Dragon Quest V PS2 localization thingy, uh, that boy, I stepped all over that. But anyway, when I was doing that, when I was going over the script, I was like, wow, Sancho is the saddest Dragon Quest character ever. Like he all he's always crying and he's always thinking about the past and, and all that. So I thought I thought they nailed they really nailed Sancho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely someone that doesn't really think about himself because he's always concerned mm-hmm. about the well-being of Pancras and the hero or Luca in case of the movie. And like with like what Dwayne was just talking about, like in the game, he had to raise the kids. So he gets a real attachment to like pretty much every single member of that family. So I thought I really liked his scenes. It, it was touching to see that he was so happy, but it was also kind of funny how over the top it was, too. Especially since and maybe we can get to this later that we don't have in. In the movie, there's not Granvania slash uh, slash uh, Gotha, so Sancho doesn't get all the, all all the support from the rest of the kingdom. He has to do it all all alone. So yeah. that even makes him a stronger character. Yeah, so I, I mean, thought that watch, was really nice. Watching it a second time, I noticed they they didn't mention the kingdom, but at some point he he calls him. I think he calls him master. Mm-hmm. He called him your majesty. Your majesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I literally yeah, I just typed that, that in the weird. Google Doc here for yeah. our notes because I did notice that. Yeah. Right when he reunites with the son or something, it's like, well, your majesty, I've da 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 da. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that's, I don't think it's mentioned anywhere else in the whole movie. Nope. No, it really wasn't. I was yeah. kind of expecting at some point they were going to be like, oh, well, you're actually a prince from this kingdom. But right. I mean, because in the beginning, they kind of showed that with the like childhood or opening sequence part, but they never really delved on that other than that random mention that, hey, you're uh, Prince Luca or, or your majesty Luca, whatever they said. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that whole uh, Super Famicom opening. I thought that was great. Just that it's just basically like shots of like the or a quick montage of scenes from the actual game. Yeah, and that was really interesting. And it was it was funny that they actually made up a, a scene that wasn't in the original game because you see like Nara as a child when they're on the uh, when they see her on the boat, and they mm-hmm. didn't really add that scene until the PlayStation Two remake. So they had to make that scene up for the movie in the style of those graphics. Oh, oh I didn't really? know it wasn't in, oh, that wasn't in that wasn't in the Super Famicom version. No, it wasn't. I looked up uh, some Let's Plays before this to to make sure, and yet yeah, they don't they do not see Nara on the boat in the, as a child in the beginning of the game. Oh, <laughs> really? Huh. Forgot about that. That's interesting. Hmm. 
Um, well, one of the one of the funny moments as well, just them finding out that uh, Doctor Aegon was the was the uh, Zenith Dragon. Just the <laughs> fact that they're surprised that a guy named D- Dur, uh, Dur Aegon is a dragon. <laughs> Dr. Aegon. That was when, pretty good. <laughs> when you see it spelled out, it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, yep. especially if you're looking at the subtitle version, which is the one the one I, I ended up watching. Um, but yeah, the, and then uh, when Bjorn throws the ship up onto the floating battlefield at the end, and you don't see him at first, you just see this giant ship come like come flying up, and it's assumed that he threw it up there because he he starts like throwing characters around after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sons went crazy at that scene because of course there's all the monsters right there, and they're like, "Oh, look at that one! Oh, look at that! Oh one. yeah! That one. Oh yeah! That's and a fantastic then... final scene right before you know mm-hmm. hell, hell breaks loose." And, and then the boat gets up there, and I even turned to my oldest, and I was like, Brady, how'd that boat get there? He's like, Jordan threw it. <laughs> and it was like, before he'd even seen him, I'm like, and he just said it. Like, I was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so matter of fact that he was like, well, of course it had to. Yeah. And that's uh, and that's one of the things that makes the... Um omission of gotha i think i think better because it makes reinhardt slash slash uh, coburg stronger when they show up at the end because if luca had the backing of his entire uh, uh, entire kingdom it would just it would just kind of add too much padding uh to, uh to that scene and but it just makes it makes harry showing up for his friend even stronger so yeah like yeah it would have turned it into like a lord of the rings or a hobbit book if yeah. <laughs> like gotha all of a sudden shows up <laughs> you have our sword and yeah, our, exactly. our axe. And then the, yeah, and then the fairy kingdom shows up. <laughs> they're, they're the axe ones, just the fairies and our axe. The eagles. The eagles. Oh. All right. <laughs> Which one of you messaged the other day that saying that if they were going to really make this like the whole, you know, they obviously couldn't make everything in the video game into a, you know, two hour movie or, or they would have had to do Lord of the Rings style extended. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, who did say that? Someone did. Someone did mention that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> and it's like I'm thinking I'm thinking if they had made this a six to eight episode series. I It would have been it would have been nice. Um, while I do like the hour and a half ish movie format i'm thinking like you know what if they had expanded this out a little bit i think it would have been just as good or maybe even better mm-hmm. yeah that's why you need netflix to take it from the start because they love having their eight episode runs of series it's true so uh, a couple of things i found pretty funny was uh luca it, like the whole time they're at their house it's always snowing there and he's like a little kid out there running around with you know no sleeves and he grows up later and he's running around there with no sleeves and they never really address that they're playing in the snow and running around the snow and then like he gets home and has a nostalgic moment and the snot's dripping out of his nose and all of a sudden he's like holy cow i'm freezing it was <laughs> it's like wow okay so for the past 30 minutes that was not a thing you just kind of mentioned it in and uh well, that's, that's true to the game because you, you know in the game you're just kind of walking around in like a toga <laughs> in, in the snow that's all he was the whole time yeah. <laughs> I, I like that uh, Bianca at one point brings up uh, what's his name meeting a puff puff girl downtown. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was so great. Well, that was really good. Not a Dragon Quest game without at least one mention of puff puff. You had to have it. I mean, it was just like one of those throwaway lines. She's like, "Wow, oh, you know, don't tell me you made a puff puff girl downtown or something like that." And then uh, yeah, she says it very quickly too. So if you don't hear it, you're just like, "Well, what's everyone laughing at?" Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then uh. My kids loved it too when they were fighting uh, Yorn and 
at one point he's like chasing the party on the uh, saber cat Percy and he like gets them and corners them like hi I got you now and then you look and there's just uh, Gutrude the uh, slime dressed in the purple turban oh, yeah. just like leans off to the side and smiles like hi just me <laughs> that, that was pretty good you. <laughs> So, Pendy, what did you uh, what did you chuckle at? Well, I think my uh, my favorite scene when it came to comedy was when uh, Luca and Bianca were trying to battle Bajoran and they're trying to get that sword, and they did. And then Luca's like, "Oh, I'm gonna use the Zenithian sword," and then it doesn't work. And then you, <laughs> the, the Dragon Quest overture while he's trying to get the sword, and then it just kind of fails as he realizes that it's not gonna work at all. And I thought that was hilarious when the music kind of builds up and then boop 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 boop. <laughs> that was good. I was hoping that it was going to do that. I was really hoping it would before that, when that music started kicking in. I was like, is it, is it going to happen? And sure enough, it did. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the Japanese acting in that scene is also really really good. Uh, when it fails and just like you hear the the, the pitiful like uh, you know he's like I'm not the one, <laughs> and then they run away. But it's it was uh, it was really well done. One of the things. Oh, go ahead. No, no you, oh, okay. I was gonna say one of the things I found that were uh, was really interesting when I went through it a couple times was uh, some of the Easter eggs that they put into uh, the movie. Like if you get to that uh, scene where you see the wanted posters in the back, they've got some amusing ones. Like they've got one uh, for King Metal looking for mini metals. You got a poster for that. You've got a poster advertising for a metal slime specialist. They mentioned the slime racing that was in the game. Uh, they oh, even nice. did something like really uh, kind of small. Like there's a character called um, Georgie in our translation, but in the original translation it was uh, Gigio or Gigio. I don't know how you pronounce that. But he's like the little boy that grows up uh, around Luca as a statue. And they oh yeah. Too. Oh. And it says it mentions Cloud. So maybe that was like a little Final Fantasy reference as well. I'm not really sure. But... Oh okay. Oh I think. I'm I'm trying to re- remember from the mountain of script I had I had to read and edit and go over a, a thousand and one times, but I think there is a cloud reference or like oh. cloud or Claude somewhere in there. Okay, okay. I think I think it's been over ten years, but I'm but I re- I do recall that somehow. And then I'm guessing they must have hired someone with the who had English as a first language for the background pieces because like those wanted posters and the Diary of Pancras, mm-hmm. like, those are all in English and very well written English. And not only that, but most of it's in cursive on top of that. So obviously, I think they got someone. They hired someone for that. The map at the very uh, beginning also has. All the original town names, uh, uh, like a had like a Santa Rosa and yep. uh, Port uh, uh, Port Selmy. Uh, I'm <laughs> blanking on, but it had like Lunol Castle. Yep. So, so I thought I thought that was a nice touch. I I was I was very surprised to see how how much English was in it. Oh yeah. Yep. I was going to ask if any of you guys knew if those were the original Japanese names, because I was surprised when watching it that there was that map at the beginning that kind of shows some of the different locations and that the names were in English. I thought that was really interesting because I figured mm-hmm. that just because it was a Japanese movie that they were going to be written in kanji or, you know, some sort of makeup language that's similar to that sort of thing. Cause, you know, the, uh, the movie itself has a very Western feel to it. Yeah. So I think I think that they probably had in and international audience in mind if it did well they would have pushed it and because it just it just doesn't look like your typical anime movie mm-hmm. so so in i know i know dragon quest will have some english but not quite like this so was uh, 
one poster I noticed, uh, just because uh, Pendy had brought him up. So I noticed when they were looking at the wanted poster for somebody to take care of Bjorn that it said Woon, like B, like I think it was B-W-O-O-N. Is that his name in the Japanese version or like the closest thing to it? Is closest it thing to it. Okay. It's, it's, it's B-O-U-N. So, uh, so you can kind of, you can, uh, pronounce it like that. Okay. So it's just, it just depends on, uh, uh, on how you read it because it's katakana, which goes by sound. So it can be weird. It's why, it's why some people will localize a word with an R or an L because it's, because that, those, uh, those letters, it's kind of, it's kind of a combo R and L sound. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't realize like how many names they change for the localizations all the time, like that. Hmm. Like I, I remember because I'm old, way, way, way back in the day when the hottest uh, debates were in Dragon Quest Three, um, Rancel and Lancel. Like technically, both are correct. <laughs> Wasn't that why it was like debated if it was supposed to be Loto or Roto? Yep. Okay. Yep. Roto is the just straight just straight uh translation but but going by sound i i think it's i think lodo maybe will maybe more correct i don't know it just it just depends on how you say it okay i like both yeah i don't really mind either i usually go with airdrick but eh. i think lodo or roto sounds pretty cool too mm-hmm. oh one of the things i also thought was hilarious and we kind of touched a upon it a little bit was the the whole grinding montage which included like him going after like the metal slimes and stuff i thought that whole uh that was a good him trying to get stronger and fighting all those monsters that was well put together it was very fun yeah him him, him uh reuniting with uh percy uh, or oh yeah that was a really nice moment yeah it, it even started out funny because you know he was he was he was under leveled for that monster when <laughs> they <laughs> and and, the, and he's he's Absolutely, it's just him and Gutrude, and they're like terrified, and then they just run off. Yeah, the two of them mimicking each other's faces while they were turned into was pretty. Was a nice little detail as well. Yeah, and I can of course. No, go ahead, go ahead. As much as I loved that uh, that scene, I wish that they had they had some they would have had something with with young Bianca at the uh, at the beginning because on what what kind of snaps the saber the saber cat out was was seeing Bianca's ribbon. Yeah, and I was I, just gonna say that. That's what I was gonna bring oh, up. Oh yeah, because he like gets a whiff of the smell and he sees it, yep. so he realizes that hey, I know this person. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, uh, uh, and I thought the red, uh, the red kind of scarf that was around Luca's neck between his tunic and his cape. If that if that had been Bianca's ribbon, I thought that 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 would have been a nice touch because because it would have been something from his youth that he kind of held held on to throughout the time when he was a slave, and Percy could have seen it. And I'm like, well, they, if they had done that, that would have been nice, but yeah. it's okay. I, st- I still like that scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was okay to admit it, but I was, I was, that was one of those things like where where the you're expecting the metal slime to run away. You're kind of expecting, you know, the the Percy to to be smelling the ribbon mm-hmm. and well, it, uh, and realizing it's him. It could be that since I mean, so there was the the detail where monsters controlled by Nimzo and Laja had the like the yellowish colored eyes. Mm-hmm. Maybe the point of that was that since uh, Percy didn't get taken over at any point, he still had just his natural looking eyes that maybe mm-hmm. his mind was able to still recognize, I, you know, it's a little hard to tell, but I would assume that because he wasn't taken over that he was still able to kind of recognize 
uh, Luca, and maybe it was that he caught a whiff of something, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm not really 100 percent sure, but maybe just him having the purple turban on and the tunic. <laughs> he caught maybe. a whiff of something. <laughs> well, Luca yeah. crapped his pants as he was running away, and then, <laughs> and then yeah, catching a whiff of something. <laughs> Liam, you you were going to mention another scene where they caught. Oh something. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they when they when they smear poop on each other and then play dead in the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So that's not in the game, obviously, but like the, the fact that they, uh, they actually like poop smear each other and then play dead. Uh, yeah. when, when they, when the, when the monsters find them, which is great. It, it was almost like a, a metal gear solid moment. They're like, wait, what's this doing here? This is suspicious. And they like knock over the crate and then they fall out and their, their eyes are like, they're just open and staring straight ahead. Like they're dead. And, uh, it's yeah, just that a really was, funny moment. That was a good. Was and then yeah, Doctor actually Egon done better keeps, than the game. It, I think so. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Cinematic wise, that worked great. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of those little changes that, yeah, didn't really matter. That whatever Henry wasn't going to be a big part of this, so get him in and out of the thing quickly. But yeah, um, Doctor Agon mentions it all the time. Keeps calling the guy. Mr. Stinky, and yeah. years later, he's like, hey, Mr. Stinky, you're back. Which which is sort of an Easter egg to, like, you know, the fact that I, I always I always point out the fact that, you know, the, the heroes inevitably in a Dragon Quest game are going to have horse manure in their bag somewhere uh, or in, somewhere in their inventory. There's going to be, like, cow pats or horse manure of some kind. And if this were a little bit more realism in the game, the townspeople would be like, Oh my God, you, you smell like shit. You stink. <laughs> Maybe you, no one, no one would want to talk to you. No one would take you seriously. Um, so that I thought was funny that like Dr. Egon was constantly ripping on him for, for stinking up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what the slime drop items are in some of the newer games. It's like the new version of the horse manure. Yeah. Slime dropping. <laughs> yep, because you do get them an awful lot when you kill regular slimes or just about any other slime. You get slime drops. So yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think that covers all the uh, chuckles we got. Um, what about the sad moments? The ones that you were like, "Oh man, they really they nailed the the feels on that one," because obviously we had the death of uh, Hankraz there. I it, I thought it was a little bit gruesome. There was even like a shot where he got it that you could like hear the squish. Um, and I was like, "Ooh, I don't know. If I'm gonna have my three and six year old watch this." And then I was like, "Whatever. They watch Scooby Doo all the time." And <laughs> my three year old talks about, "Hey, Daddy, when you get old, do you just go to the graveyard and touch the stone, and then you're dead?" So I'm like, oh, "Okay, you, yeah, yeah." He, he's been like obsessed with that for like the past two months. Like, Daddy, when you get old, you just go to the graveyard and you touch a stone, and you're dead. That's what happens. I'm like, yep. <laughs> but uh yeah and then I, that was uh that, that's what i found as the uh my feels moment later. um yeah so besides the end uh <laughs> being a sad moment which we'll get to later um <laughs> i thought i thought the part where nira gives up the hero was a really good way to wrap up the bride question but it was also kind of sad because i believe that she really did want to marry him Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I really thought that that was a that was a good addition to the movie on how they did it, where it, gram, grandmas from uh, <laughs> grandmas from uh, from DQ six shows up, like the 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 uh, old short witch character, and you're wondering who you know what her deal is, and then it ends up it's like Nira shape shifting. I thought that was really cool. That was a really cool twist. 
And what's nice about that because in because I I'm not I'm not a big fan of Nira slash Flora because I I always found her to be too much of a passive character and um, and with this she actually she's actually kind of taking charge of her future and doing and doing the, uh, the right thing and just not just not kind of like sitting there and it's like oh hi marry me uh, you can pick me in your party for heroes but I'm going to be completely useless so. <laughs> with my bubble magic yep. <laughs> Urge to kill rising. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I guess like the bubble, bubble magic. magic. There are some diehard Flora fans out there. I don't know why, but you are entitled entitled to be a fan. It's fine. It's great. I just personally don't agree. I just I pick Bianca every time, and sometimes Deborah. So uh, and I just more so like her in Heroes more than anything. I just found that she was pretty powerful in that game. I could take her or leave her in the main in uh, Dragon Quest Five. I'm the exact opposite. I I played her in Five more than I played her in Heroes. And and I when... think I left her alone in both. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty sure I've never done EQ5 any of my playthroughs with her. I did my bonus dungeon playthrough on uh, Super Famicom with her. Uh, anyway, had... uh, yeah, Pendy, how, how about sad moments? For you. I was just going to say, I'm glad they kept those uh, tragic moments from the game, like the fact that Pancras dies and even like his mom dies at the end, too. I'm glad they didn't try and mess with that or kind of make it a Hollywood ending where like, oh, no, we're going to she's going to survive after all. So that was nice that they, they kept that. Yeah, it was that they they really um, uh, they, they, they love the, the tragedy of that moment in Japan, too. If you go to the Dragon Quest Museum or if you had a chance to go see that um the Zenithian trilogy is done up in these kind of uh, scale models um, with various mm-hmm. scenes from four, five, and six. And with five, they have the room where uh, they have that that scene basically where Lajas ha- has uh, um, Pancras about about to be killed, and you're looking through uh, a little window into this like into the scene, and it's showing you uh, like from the perspective of the sun watching his dad die it's like it's really kind of uh hits you right in the feels Mm. but yeah that's definitely it's a very tragic moment in the game in the movie um and it's it's really like the driving factor of revenge in this in the whole story Dwayne or uh zachary you got anything to add there yes as far as kind of like this uh the sad moments in the game uh uh, in the game, when the hero gets turned to stone, they really just twist that knife with the family because that scene I think lasts entirely too long. It's like, okay, we get it. Can I can I move on to the next chapter now? But uh, <laughs> and so and so, I'm glad they didn't they didn't quite take that route with the family and the kids being kid- kidnapped because the cult wasn't really. It's like it was there, but it wasn't in the movie. But I thought um, uh, a nice touch was. Um, was a um was seeing a Sancho take his son to like look at him when he was a statue when he was a baby. So I thought I thought that was I thought that was kind of a, a nice a nice scene. And then and then seeing just the world just go to crap mm-hmm. without him. I like that. I th- I thought that was really well done. And like especially seeing the landscape around get all burnt and dead and deteriorate. Yeah, that was interesting. They showed that time lapse as um, it showed um, Luca as the statue. I thought that was a nice touch and really just kind of showed how the world was changing without somebody to help stop Lodja and his uh, cronies and monsters. Because he was pretty much the only one. Yeah, that was a nice twist because, like in the game, like you just see him in somebody's front yard as the season. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody somebody bought him. Happened in the background, (laughs) which is it's great. I like how they they changed that. Yeah, 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 that was nicely done. 
Uh, only so, uh, thing... oh, go ahead, Zachary. Oh, oh, I was just going to say real quick. So for the sad moments, I mean, you guys have pretty much covered anything I would have said, but just to go back real quick to the pancreas scene where he's being killed off, I did think it was interesting that, that they went into so much more detail with showing him getting beaten up, because you don't really think about that in the game, how that would probably actually look from happening, because, you know, it's all mm. in first-person perspective, and it's just, you know, they're doing the animations, and you don't really think of what that might actually look like, so... Yeah, kind of like what you were saying, Matt. How you can hear the sounds and like that one squish at one point with the zoom in on Pancras's face and pain. That was like, oh man, this is actually really serious. You didn't really yeah. think about that before. Mm-hmm. I did think it was an interesting choice where they, when Lodja, you know, throws the giant Grafizzle spell at him, and normally in the games, like it just incinerates Pancras. He's just completely gone when it comes mm-hmm. back. It's just a pile of ash. Yeah, I thought, thought it was almost more gruesome that he was still alive at that point but like he had that last little bit of strength to say something to luca before then he collapsed Hmm. i think the scene would have been good either way but i think honestly him surviving the fight well i say surviving not disintegrating to the fire blast was honestly more painful because it's like i can't even imagine what that would feel like that would just be terrible that was really heart-wrenching and also it was good it was good because in the game he gets a chance to tell uh the hero that his mother's still alive and like all this stuff but in the in the movie he doesn't quite uh get to say that and Mm -hmm. so and so he has to find the letter to to get the whole story oh yeah well, no, I he will... does say it. He does say it when he gets... Yes. Yes. He says, like, some of it, but not... Not, not where. Not... Like oh, yeah, yeah, he only gets, right. like, a little not bit all. of it out. Yeah. He's like, just go find your mother. I think that was, like, his last words. And then... yeah. yeah, so not was going to kind of kill the mood for that one, but every time he just kept saying something after he got attacked, I just kept thinking of that scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail with the old man going, I'm not dead! I'm <laughs> not dead! <laughs> I just kept thinking of that. Oh, well, that... That maybe segues a little bit into uh, anything else that hit you in the feels that was maybe just more cute than uh, sad. Like one thing I saw, and it was very early in the movie when uh, Luke is still a young boy. And at one point, they're just walking over a bridge covered in snow. And you just see him taking these long leaps so that he can walk in Pankraz's footsteps. I just, it, it was a little scene, Link, and you miss it. But Pankraz and Percy are walking across a bridge, leaving footprints. And Luca's just hip hopping, taking these big jumps so he can walk in his dad's footsteps across the bridge. Yeah, they did a good job of, of uh, showing the relationship between the son and the father and how much the, how, how strong that bond was. And that was mm-hmm. just a little touch for that show that mm-hmm. yeah it was a cool callback too when when in a, at the first scenes in the beginning when he's he's at the um campfire with his dad and then later on he's there alone with with just percy and and gutrude and he's like oh god this was a mistake <laughs> yes so liam what else did you uh are we smile? are we still talking sad moments or Oh, no, we've moved on to some of these cute ones here. Oh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, a- a- any of the slime moments were cute with uh, Gutru slipping in and out of cracks in the ground and these reaction shots where she's, like, looking at Percy and everything. And um, uh, I liked Luca's first attempt and failure against Bjorn where he gets wiped out. And he's, she's just like, he just shows up and he's all crisped at the, uh, the tavern. He's pitifully asking the townspeople for herbs before he collapses. I, I like how they animated that. Like 
when Bianca shoves the herbs in his mouth and yeah. suddenly you just see like all the blackness. Yeah, just go. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The char just kind of disappears. And then she multi heals them as they're walking out. I don't know if anyone noticed that, but there was like a shine amongst the whole party as they're walking out. Oh, well, if you, off of, it's, I it's, didn't... it's real quick, but if you look, she she slips a little leaf into uh, sab- the saber cub and, and the slime as they're walking out. And then you can oh, see. Oh, that's it. what that was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I thought that was like a multi heal spell. Yeah, I didn't notice until like the second viewing but that's what she does and then you see like the black go away and then the little sparkly green stuff show up as they get healed okay cool yeah the movie definitely does have a lot of real quick like blink and you'll miss it moments with stuff like that it's just fun because then you can rewatch the movie and notice other little things like that but yeah that that happens very quickly yeah the sheer the sheer amount of of just detail and layers upon layers that they have in this movie is is really amazing and really and really surprising i i mean i just i didn't expect there to be this much in there so the good type of fan service anyway I also, th- I also thought the fight with the killing machines was pretty cute. All the slapstick that they had in that whole scene for that fight, I thought that was hilarious. That was yeah, tough. with the one blowing up in the background. Yeah, like when mm-hmm. when it gets to that where it's like flipping out and its arms are flailing, like that's like straight out of DQ Heroes. It's exactly <laughs> what it does when you kill one of those things. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like what? the slime slingshot too in that scene. Oh, that was awesome! It was so good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think I told you, Liam, that that really reminded me of Rocket Slime when that happened. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, see, yeah. You, you just see, like, Gutrude's body, he grabs the arrow, and you just see, like, part of it's getting pulled out as Lucas holding on, and then they just shoot across the chasm. Yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. totally like drag, or, uh, Rocket Slime. Totally yeah. like that. <laughs> Good point. That, that scene got the biggest laugh from my kids out of the whole movie. They they just thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think that was yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> and then me, like, watching it the second time and thinking about how the ending was, I was like, well, this is getting really, like, Matrix vibes a little bit here because they dodged that arrow in slow motion a yeah. little bit. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, Zachary, any other little moments you noticed? Yeah, one of my favorite moments was when... Uh, he's reunited with Percy. For one, I thought that was cool that they named it Percy instead of Saber, just to kind of choose one of the names that that's a default for the Saber cat. But I thought it was really funny when he's running away from it at first, and it's this full-grown cat. It, it catches up to him so easily. And then mm. it just comes up alongside him, looks over, and then he finally realizes, like, wait a second, this is Percy. He just gives him that big old hug. And it's it's kind of a nice scene because I sort of imagine like that's how it would have looked in the game too. Like once uh, Saber or whatever you name the cat realizes who the hero is, he's like, hey, wait a second. I know exactly who this person is. You know, they have that nice little moment. So I, I thought that the movie did a really good job showing what I imagine a lot of people would have seen or seen in their heads like during that scene of the game. I also thought it was a nice little touch too that I don't know if you guys noticed it, but Percy does have a little bell around his neck after he joins up with Luke and them. And uh-huh. it almost made me think that maybe that was supposed to be a reference to Bomberin's bell from Dragon Quest Eight, since you have to use that bell to summon the great saber cats. So oh. maybe that maybe that's yeah. a bit of a stretch, but it just kinda made me think of that. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Maybe that's the case. That that's a nice call that's a nice uh, callback to another game if that's a, if that's what they were doing. Yeah, I mean there was no need to throw a bell on him animation wise, so it was definitely a decision that was made. Cool. Yeah, I 
I did notice it the second watch of that, and but I didn't make that connection to DQ8. Interesting. Dwayne, anything else that you saw? I just uh, just kind of want to echo um, just just what everyone else said. I I really liked how uh, in the montage, just the sheer amount of detail that was in the, uh, the backgrounds, just the just the amount of effort they put into one scene that's only a few a few seconds, because there was uh, there was one bit where he went back to Lanul or up to Ten Towers, whichever you prefer, um, where it's j- just like you see like the crumpled up carpet and just all the all the stuff messed up down uh, down the hall. I'm like, and and I actually went back. I was like, "Wow, that's a that is a that's an excellently uh, designed background." And they put all this stuff and like all this texture, all this grime on the walls, all that for one scene. And so, so I was like, "Wow, this this thing just reeks of effort." <laughs> Which is funny because I read a couple detailed reviews from Japan when it came out, and I think it was not in both. It was definitely in one, and they made a whole paragraph about it about how empty the world seemed and just like not enough hmm. things in the background and not enough monsters and I never got that. I no. got that there was large vistas going on or yeah. I know, mean, like you said, there's a lot of details in the basement. He goes down that basement it's just filled with tons of books on the shelves and everything and barrels and whatnot. I mean, as far, I think, I think as far as people, uh, no, no, there aren't as many people because Wheelbrook, we never see uh, the rest of the town mm-hmm. uh, and we only, we only only really we only really see the guard in Coburg um but we really because I mean people you have to you have to animate all those people they have to look distinct um they all have to have their own separate separate textures and colors and animation algorithms and and all that but for the wedding uh, subplot there were tons of people in that bar there were tons of people all all over the town exactly where we needed them to be hmm. so I think it's one of those things if it were a series then yeah do that but for the context of the movie it, it's not necessary yeah I agree alright so we've hit on a lot of the little things that we like what were the ones that like really blew you away that you were like oh my god that was awesome start let's go back to Dwayne again uh, Really? Um, hmm. the uh the uh bjorn fight i really enjoyed um the the ending as controversial as it as it is it was nice to see them take every single layer away from every single model in the in the movie that was neat um the ending we'll get to <laughs> but um very ominous <laughs> but i just uh, I just thought the sheer amount of detail in this movie because I was I was noticing in the in the credits they I think they hired multiple animation studios for this and it 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 looks amazing. I think that they should be very very proud of this. I thought uh, along those lines all those lighting scenes mm-hmm. had so many scenes where the lighting was really important coming through the window. Like what he like Luca chose to proposed to Bianca on that halfway up the stairs with the window shining right down there with them. And there were so many scenes where they were in caves and there's so much glowing algae Mm -hmm. around them. And I I just noticed lighting the second time through, I kept noticing like, well, that scene was really coolly lit. So that goes right along. Sorry to interrupt you, but with your detail of animation. Oh yeah. yeah. And just, and just the amount of just the, uh, the characters uh, themselves, they have, uh, they have uh, freckles. Their uh, uh, their pigment changes depending on their their emotion. You don't really see that often. And just how just how the, uh, the golems are uh, uh, are modeled. Oh, um, 
they mm-hmm. didn't reuse some of the models, just like some bricks are, are out of place. And I'm like, oh, well. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, they did that. look like individual separate go- mm-hmm. golems. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting touch. Yeah, and just how uh, just how all the bad monsters had yellow eyes, while while uh, the good ones had uh, had white ones. I think I think that's something I really wish that they would have ex- expanded on, or if they had made it into a series to have all the monsters that he befriended uh, come up and join him in the final battle, because uh, they they made it a point to mention that that was one of his character traits. So yeah. it would have it would have been nice to see just a little. <laughs> Just something, maybe like a couple Drakies or, yeah. or or like the Dragon Kids or something. That that would have been amazing if he turned like a bunch of the the of Laja's army like while they're guess, fighting. Yeah, yeah, that would have been incredible. Nera's father at one point mentions that he's a. Go ahead. Oh, I'll just slip this in and then be quiet. But Nera's father even mentions when he sees Luca walking up, he's like, "Ooh, another applicant. Uh, he's a monster master." Mm-hmm. And really, you didn't see that aspect in the game. I mean, the slime kind of just comes up and joins them, and you kind of find out a reason for that later. And obviously, Percy's there, but that's the only ones that shows. And I know that's a big part of the game. And then so, Bjorn as well, though. He oh, tur- you actually, yes, you actually true. physically see him turn Bjorn, which is and you fantastic. you see those eyeballs change, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I, I thought was a really, really cool touch. That's one of those awesome moments. Yeah, uh, um, the movie is hour and 42 minutes i think i think if they had given it the extra the extra 20 minutes and pushed it to two hours i think we would have had those little scenes and i think the movie would have been better for it Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say um a little bit ago that i kind of agree that they should have done a bit more with the monster taming aspect with changing them it would have been cool if uh when he was going on that solo adventure of his before like gutrude and uh, Percy joined up with him. If when he was doing that monster fighting montage, like certain monsters like were damaged but were still like looking at him, and then you get to see like, oh well, he's you know taking pity on them and they're joining his forces. Then like he has a chimera with him or like a drachy or you know some you know not really big things, but it's like maybe little things to follow him around. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk about any uh, any other awesome moments as well? Um, oh yeah, Pendy. Sure. Um, oh, uh, go ahead, Yangus. Oh sorry, sorry. You let Pendy go. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, I would want to say that just all the action scenes were just amazing and really well done and choreographed. Like, and they kind of build it up as the movie goes to that final fight where, like, it starts out where like the Luca slices off the arm of the golem, then the sun punches through the oh that's right and then like that whole fight with uh, luca versus laja was extremely well done i mean all the fight scenes like they definitely like Dwayne was saying before like you can see how much they you know tried and how much work went into this movie i think uh, that's another part of the movie where they you know five stars out of five with, with those fights that they came up with and I also liked how they used a lot of the spells from the game. That was great. Like you had Kazap, you had Sizzle, Frizzle, Zoom. You even had like Thwack that Bianca does during the final scene. You got like uh, she gets put to sleep with like a snooze. Like those are really well incorporated into the the action scenes that they came up with. Definitely. Yeah. You can tell. You can tell that it was actually it was actually made by somebody who knows. Uh, who knows the source material? Yeah. It's kind of like the Michael Bay uh, Transformers movie versus the Bumblebee movie. Uh, <laughs> that was completely different, for in yeah. a good way. Yep. Michael Bay actually handled the ending of this mu- movie. Uh, that explains oh everything. Yeah. Bastard. <laughs> there were but, enough um, explosions, though. <laughs> one of the, the things whole world that, explodes. <laughs> one of the things I noticed going back to um, going back to uh, Laja. Um, 
something that I've, I've always enjoyed about the Arte Piazza games is is a lot of the animation in the Dragon Quest games, they have kind of anime animation where they everything's kind of a slave to being on on model. But with the Arte Piazza games, uh, all the characters will kind of like, will actually animate. They'll stretch. Their expression will change. They'll move around a little bit more. Their hair will get messed up. And Laja was very much like that because whenever I saw his um, his model in the PS2 five, I thought I thought that he was kind of manic and twitchy, and they made him kind of manic and twitchy like that, and I really enjoyed that. Nice. And Pendy, you you had told me that that uh, you really enjoyed the voice acting when you saw when you saw it in Japan. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it. I just, cause I don't know any Japanese. Right. But what I, what I mean is like the, the voice acting for Laja, you, you had mentioned, uh, you had oh, mentioned. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, they, whoever they got to play Laja and the Japanese and actually in the dub too, after I saw it on Netflix, uh, was really good. It, it kind of fleshed out the, the character and made him, you know, that much more, how do you say it, uh, ominous to towards towards everything so yeah it was that was pretty cool when i was watching it i thought i thought boy uh boy uh the voice actor who's doing doing this is is really doing his best to sound like mark hamill and i <laughs> i looked up the voice actor and it turns out oh yeah the guy does a killer mark hamill impersonation makes sense <laughs> nice that's actually funny because i haven't watched the dub yet but when i was watching it again today uh with my wife um i i was thinking like man i would cast mark hamill to play that character in an english dub <laughs> i uh, i always imagine kind of like more like a starscream type of voice for gimma in in like Lodja, but i re- but i really like this too the the dub as a whole i think is great um what 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 Square Enix is doing with the games, I don't find wrong by any stretch of the uh, imagination. Their dubs are excellent. But this dub is also really, really good. I think the fans that don't like the dialects will will really like this. Yeah, they, I think it's kind of like the happy medium that I, I think a lot of the old school fans have been wanting. Yeah, they did a great job with the dub. Like, I was I was surprised. I didn't think that they would get this level of voice acting talent for it. But, like, I saw the, the credits afterwards and saw, like, a bunch of different people who were uh, veterans in the voice acting world. Like, Steve Bloom, for, who did, like, Cowboy Bebop and Wolverine and Tom from Adult Swim. And you got Carrie Walgreen, who's on Rick and Morty. And she's done <laughs> FLCO, Blood Plus, and Stephanie Shea, who's done bleach recently did your name which is the huge anime success like they did they went all out for the voice acting for this for the dubs that was nice to see yeah there's actually a law that uh that if you have if you have uh an anime steve bloom must be in it in some capacity (laughs) (laughs) oh he's brought this on himself (laughs) his role in the movie is definitely is so out of left field when i think it was uh brian aka woodis who sent that picture of the cast list to us with the english names i was dying laughing when i saw guthrie with steve bloom it's like are you kidding me spike from cowboy bebop was a slime that's <laughs> so funny i was, now, was dying laughing was he making all the little slime noises and everything yeah. or was he just the talking part at the no, end no i think talking. that was him oh. doing the noises too because i don't know if you guys have seen the movie box trolls by like studios but he and oh, i think it's d bradley baker is the name of the guy yeah. the two oh, of yeah. them oh, yeah so the two of them were behind a lot of the troll speak in that movie so the two of them like they showed behind the scenes where the two of them are having back and forth conversations 
with these noises that they're making. And when I was kind of listening to some of the audio cues through it, it's like, what well, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that movie, but maybe that's just my imagination. But then seeing Steve Bloom was the voice, it's like, oh, okay, that's making more sense now because he's really good at actually doing a lot of those uh, silly kind of like sound effects, like the, you know, things like right. that. Yeah, yeah. I could also see like Frank Welker from, well, yeah. from you know, classic uh, animation, but also from Futurama, you know, like they, yeah. they have that whole twist where Nibbler uh, talks um and and it's uh, it's basically like frank welker doing all the all the noises but he can also do speaking roles as well and, yeah. and sound completely different yep mm-hmm. yeah we'll say with the voice cast it was really funny listening to some of the voices because with this being an rpg or being be based on an rpg series and i assume most of us that play rpgs too uh, outside of dragon quest it was really funny hearing some of the voices because like yuri lowenthal who voices luca or the main character he also voices the main character and other big rpg series like he's the voice of cecil harvey from final fantasy 4 he's the new voice uh for marth in any english dub for fire emblem related stuff oh. and then i don't remember what her name is but it's the woman who voices uh bianca in the movie i'm pretty sure it's her but she is the voice and matt you might like this one she's the voice of estelle from trails in the sky and she's the voice of frederica from uh Etrianasi untold so wow. she so it's it's cool hearing these guys uh from other rpgs and other games that i've played it's like oh man this is actually really fitting then that they're voicing characters in a movie based on this really big rpg franchise it's really cool yeah i think that was i think that's stephanie shea who's a pretty uh, big actress when it comes to voice acting roles these days and she actually does i think she does also some directing and does some of the script writing for dubs as well so maybe she even wrote the script for this i don't know i don't know who did the the script for this dub no idea um one one other awesome moment let's find out and give them lots and lots of praise (laughs) (laughs) send them all the money tell them thank you because they really did a great job yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. They could have just done bare bones, direct translation, subbed it, and tossed it up there. But they re- they really spent some money on this, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank the you, Netflix. Weird, the weird thing that I saw on Facebook from a couple of people is like they a couple of people complained there was a bad lip sync when it came to the dub, but I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not, but it wasn't really bad, bad. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not bad, but you can definitely, it's, it looks, it looks Western enough to where I wish that they had kind of resynced the mouth animation, but that cost a lot of money and takes a lot of time. But I mean, they did a good job, but it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, it's kind of, it sticks out more on 3d animation than 2d. I was about to say, maybe that's the case, that it's the difference between 3D and 2D. It's easier to fake on 2D. Yeah, I, from watching like some Studio Ghibli movies, which I don't really watch too many anime films, but with watching the English dubs on those, usually there's a few times where like you notice like the mouth movements look a little different from what the audio you're hearing, but it, you just kind of, you know, just kind of goes over your head. And there were a few times I caught that when watching uh, Dragon Quest Your Story, but again, it just kind of just rolled off my back. It's like, you know, whatever, it's a dub. It's just, that's how it is, unfortunately, sometimes. So, yeah, so. it's kind of, it's kind of, it's one of those things. It's like the movie, uh, the movie looks so good and it's dubbed. Your, your brain is automatically going to think uh, just, it was, it was made for a Western audience, but no, mm-hmm. it's a dub. <laughs> so, was uh, one thing I wrote down here in my notes for most awesome, and I'm pretty sure I'm, this was it at the very end when Luca gets a new sword to uh, defeat the virus at the end. That's Erdrich's sword, right? Yes, yes, it was. Okay, 
I thought that was, you know, we talked back to other callbacks. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a nice touch for sure. I didn't expect that to show up in the movie at all. I figured no. Zenith, I figured if anything, it was going to be like his own version of the Zenithian sword to use or something else. So it was cool to be like, haha, look, it's Erdrich's sword. Who saw that coming? <laughs> oh, uh, going back to something real quick that I thought was a nice touch, because in the game, you just you just can't equip uh, the sword and the fact that he can't he can't unsheath it that makes so so much more sense it's a nice touch yeah it's very much like an arthurian legend yeah i almost wish that with the movie they would have done like him trying to pull it but i remember in the game like the dialogue says when he tries to pull the sword from the seat or when he like tries to hold the sword for himself after he reads a pancras's letter where the game text is like but the sword feels like lead in his hands and he can't grasp it anymore Mm-hmm. I almost wish that when he would try it, like when he finally has given up, that the sword just like slams to the ground because he just can't hold up anymore. Just like drains him completely of energy. <laughs> <laughs> I loved, uh, we were talking about awesome moments, the fight scene towards the end where they're just one-shotting close to endgame monsters. And that, that that just made me think, man, these guys have been level grinding. <laughs> Wait, <Wait-o-time. laughs> there's gonna be some deleted scenes of just grinding. <laughs> Doctor Agon started messing around with the little journal because he, if you did notice, he did ask him at one point to tell me about your journey, and he pulled out a journal and a pen or a, a feather quill to start writing yeah. down stuff. He wanted to know so- everything there was to. He wanted the details on what they had been working on to building that evil shrine. Oh, that's right. He was a spy, but that's a good point, Yangus. Were you going to say that that he was like saving their game? Yeah, that's that's the impression I got, and like how that was another like little detail that popped up real quick. Because yeah. what what it made, why I thought that was, I remember in the DS RT Piazza games where when it does the saving, it usually shows up in the bottom of the corner on like a quill writing in a book. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh my god, it's just like the game. <laughs> <laughs> And the Imperial Scrolls. Yes. <laughs> Imperial Scrolls of Honor. Um, one awesome thing that I really enjoyed, the animation was so much fun to watch whenever there was an action scene going on. Like, when it's showing the montage of all of his different fights and stuff, you know, there's so many quick movements and quick swings. But, like, one moment that really stood out for me for the action stuff, and I thought was really awesome, even though it ends in tragedy, was the scene where they're trying to escape from their house as all the monsters and Lodge's followers find out where uh, Bianca and Luca and everybody is uh, living at outside of uh, Wheelbrook, I think it was. And when they're escaping down that slope, they're going through... Uh, that big chasm or canyon on the sled and sliding all over. All the monsters are chasing after him. You see him just flinging spells back and forth. The animation was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to rewatching the movie again and seeing if I missed anything like happening in the background. Because there's a lot of stuff that happens really quick, but it's so fun to watch, and it got you so excited. Yeah, and what's uh, and what's nice is th- is that a lot of those monsters are uh, are not only appropriate to, uh, to the game, but they're also uh, appropriate to that uh, to that uh, particular location or that particular scene which is like I was like oh that's nice it could have been like the Dragon Quest anime where they just like put the same I was like put the same monsters in pretty much every every situation especially in, in the later episodes except for the last episode which I didn't get to see but I'll tell that story later <laughs> <laughs> and you make a good point with that too because like the uh, when they're trying to escape from uh, being slaves you do see that a king orc who's the blue colored one is bossing around all of the regular uh just standard orcs and he's like kind of standing in the front 
Sopranos watching what they're all doing. And then like further mm-hmm. down, you see, I don't remember what the yellow ones are called, but they're the ones that are like watching the barrels as they're going out of the cave. Mm-hmm. And the Hawkmen I... too, which are the general, just like kind of soldiers and they pop up and you fight them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the, the, just getting back to the one shotting for, for a second where he was just like slicing through one shot, killing monsters uh, at the end. Um, he even one shot kills the two monsters that killed Pancras. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And, he did. and he's running upstairs when he does it. <laughs> so he's... he didn't even have have the high ground. Yes, <laughs> makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> Over leveled. Mm-hmm. I did think it was really awesome for one that he was able to befriend Bjorn instead of just outright killing him Hmm. like you do in the game. But I thought that was so cool when, and you talked about, you guys talked about a little bit before where Bjorn not only throws the ship up to where all the monsters are at and like in the final battle, but that Bjorn himself comes out of nowhere and just starts pounding monsters left and right. And just is just totally taking the field by storm. It was so awesome watching that. And it made me so wish in the actual game, you could somehow befriend Bjorn and he just comes in when you're fighting Nimzo, just bam, punches him out and it goes right to the next form. <laughs> that was so great. That was so awesome. Just watching him flying around and just, just kicking ass and taking names. That was so much fun. Yeah, which is not like uh, the games at all, where like you get like a little, a little tiny cute version of him. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, with that's not Jordan. very good. <laughs> yeah, it takes forever to level him and, uh, um, uh, Starker's up. It's yeah. terribly long. I remember actually trying to do that in my uh, first playthrough of that game. I remember finally getting Starker's, then going to get Rebjorn, or I'm sorry, Rebjorn, however you're supposed to pronounce it. And I remember still trying to hunt down some of the metal slimes, because those are the last monsters I have not recruited in Dragon Quest V, even to this day. And I would just keep trying to fight metal slimes, and they would take so long to level up. I think at this point in that file... They're like level 36. And I don't think Rebjorn's uh, stats have gone up once in all that time. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's like, when is he going to actually get stronger? I think I think on the Square Enix members page, um, they had a blog when 5... When five came out, there was there was a, cre- a a quest to recruit a liquid metal slime, and it was just like the uh, the writer's kind of trials and tribulations and all that. I just thought, well, I'll I'll try that. I encountered one, uh, I beat it, and then I got it. <laughs> oh, I just <laughs> and I was like, I should probably send this in. I'm like, then. And then I thought, no, no, they probably hate me enough as it is. <laughs> oh I, I had something kind of like that happen in another game. It was, um, let's tell us real quick. It was an Earthbound. There's a sword you can get towards the end of the game in uh, the Stonehenge dungeon. And it's called the Sword of Kings. It's the only weapon that your fourth party member can equip that actually makes them stronger. And there's only one enemy and it only appears in that dungeon. And it's a one in 256 chance of dropping like first time i played that game on my super nintendo i got it in 20 minutes and i remember telling people that and they're like there's no way you got it that fast you're lying you cheated (laughs) it's like no i really did (laughs) all right well if we're bringing up other games maybe it's time to move down our list here um differences i mean we've already touched on quite a few of the differences that were made for the movie compared to the game and uh anything you like i think most of the ones we've mentioned so far have made it more cinematic made it to be a better story in the hour and 40 minute format so uh anything else you haven't brought up yet that you really liked or not um and i'll start it off here with just one and then let liam and y'all get into some other ones uh i went back and had to look because what is it bristoletti having the zenithian sword i'm like i don't think he had the sword at that point and in the game he had the shield Mm -hmm. um 
but it almost made it seem like in the movie that he was doing this for Pancras. He, he was getting that sword because even Sancho at one point mentions like, oh, his letter said he's got the sword. You need to go there first. That's what gets the hero going there. Um, so I, it, it was a little switch and didn't really do anything other than make that it made a lot of stuff happen. I think it worked well for the movie because then we get the scene with him trying to pull the sword out to kill Bjorn and he can't equip it or he can't pull it out and all that. So we, we also get that reveal scene with Briscoletti trying to say like, oh, I've got the Zenithian sword right here. And then he opens the door and then there's that whole like pause. And then you realize that like Bjorn had ripped off like the side of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> to get... I, I, got that, they, I got I the impression that the, the whole room's gone. And, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Yes, the uh, the cursed item music plays. Yep, <laughs> that's right. That was a good touch. Yeah, and then uh, Platy, you and I both, you know, we one of our first things we noticed in that scene was the missing twin mm-hmm. uh, in in the uh, in the birth scene. So there's an they, there's an entire family member missing um, uh, where the, where they only have the son born. Um, yeah, I kept waiting for like the way they revealed it is mom turns Bianca turns over and there's a little boy in her arm. I like kept waiting for that next scene where she her other arm comes into the scene holding another one and yeah, obviously it didn't happen. Yep. Yeah, that was Which a is... change I wasn't too fond of. I get probably why they did it, but it was like, oh, that's too bad. They just totally cut one of the kids out. Yeah. I mean, it would it would give it would give them too many characters on uh, on screen and while it's unfortunate looking back at the movie what else would she have had to do so i'm like yeah i i always sucks, i but it kind makes of sense. i kind of thought of that too for when i was playing the game you know that you've got the twins but only the boy twin is the legendary hero that's kind of messed up like they they should have allowed the girl character the girl twin in in the game to to be able to equip something you know like mm-hmm. otherwise it, it just seemed kind of sexist and i know platy you had thought that as well well i took it from the game and maybe just because i'd replayed it not that long ago but i took it that the girl inherited more of her father's sort of genetics and sort of his abilities because if you read her party chat at different points she does mention that she's able to notice how monsters are feeling and sort of communicate mm-hmm. with them. So it's too. It is unfortunate she can't equip the legendary stuff and legendary gear like her brother can. But at least she's not like totally left out of the loop on that, where she still can have some of those abilities. It's just yeah. you know you can't really you can't couldn't really dwell on that into the movie itself unless somehow like when they reunited, like she has this army of monsters with them. It's like yeah, Dad, look at all these guys I got to follow me. <laughs> Yeah, and, she got- and she's still uh, uh, she's still a great uh, a great mage. Uh, I'll okay. I'll still have her in my party as my as my offensive magic backup yeah. uh, versus a lot of the other monsters, but but in the movie, uh, Bianca was that magic backup, so I can see why. Pandy, what did what did you think? Well, in overall, I mean, and this is kind of related to what you we were talking about. I think they did a pretty good job of compressing that entire game into a two-hour movie. And I, I, the cuts that they made, I didn't really mind that much. I thought it was pretty efficient what they did. Um, the only thing that I was really bummed out that they didn't have was I wish they had at least like some kind of mention or maybe a cameo of Deborah. I know she wasn't in like the first two <laughs> games, the, the PlayStation 2 or the Super Famicom, Famicom game, but I think that would have been fun if they had at least mentioned her at some point. But I mean, but overall, I mean, they hit all the major story beats that are in the game. We see the fairy kingdom, they even do the time travel and hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice touch too. Turning into stone, so like they they do hit all the major points. Yeah, I thought it's it like... moved a little fast in the beginning. 
um, you know, where uh, Luca's running to get his dad after after uh, Harry is captured, and then immediately like he's rescued, and yeah. and they're facing off against Lodge. <laughs> Yeah. It was the it, it jumped around a lot, and it was it was a little bit particularly just because I watched it the second time I watched it was with my wife, uh, and and she was confused having not played the game, so it was uh, um, it was something I could see just from a storytelling standpoint that I thought they rushed a little bit. Yeah, yeah I think- it's like. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think they kind of made this movie with the fans who had actually played the game in mind. I I think it's, it's kind of, it's nice, but also somewhat of an unfortunate thing that it's not as like general audience friendly, but like they just kind of built it like assuming that you would play the game at some point in the past. Hmm. They should have like added like maybe just a few more minutes, just so certain scenes like that could be stretched out, like show him running back to the castle real quick and be like, dad, Harry got kidnapped. And then you see here, Pankers be like, "All right, we gotta move. We gotta go save." You know, just real like quick sort of snap, like, "Okay, we gotta go do this." So that way, then the general audience could at least have a little bit of a better idea, like, "Okay, that's why now all of a sudden we're jumping to here and now." Yeah, Harry's with him. Yeah, but yeah, it's no, one of no. The, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dwayne. Okay, uh, uh, it's one of those things. If you do that, uh, then uh, then you gotta explain why why Harry was kidnapped, and then and then you have to do the whole kidnapping plot and the and the fake queen all that all that stuff so <laughs> so right. it kind of yeah, yeah. it kind of pads the movie it's sort of it's sort of like how uh jurassic park the book and jurassic park the uh the movie are two very different things but they're still enjoyable and if you see one you want to experience the other hmm. that's a good point yeah and no, i i i I definitely hear you on that, and and Yangus, I I agree with like getting a couple of extra shots in there, just him like running to tell his dad, and maybe the next scene is just Pancras like kicking in the door of a cell and like rescuing uh, rescuing Harry, and then like they they the next scene they just like cut to them uh, about to get to that door, and then and then Laja and and the uh, his goons show up. I thought that would have been it would have paced a little bit better, but. You know, it is it is what it is, and uh, overall, I think they did a, a good job with it. All right, should we move on to uh, the dub and the sub here? Sure. Yeah. Um, now you you all watched the dub, right? Yeah, I watched the dub. I haven't watched the movie again since Thursday morning. Same dub for me. Yeah, I watched both. Yep. I, I and I did it all at once. I have been exercising so much outside in our new little home gym, and a couple of the machines are quite loud. So for about the past six weeks, I've had netflix permanently with subtitles on so i'm listening and reading at the same time and i found that very interesting watching the sub with the dub at the same time because seeing how different things were translated because they definitely don't mix or they're they're definitely not word for word the sub and the dub they're done two different ways Mm -hmm. and yeah it, they didn't use the exact same translation because uh, there's even one of the scenes that I remembered was where we talked about this earlier. Sancho cries at the drop of a hat. And at one point towards the beginning, he's asked, Sancho, are you OK? And the sub says yes. And the dub says no. <laughs> and, oh. <laughs> I mean, they're complete opposites. But I mean, like what's after is like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it's yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. So I mean, it really yeah. doesn't give different meanings or anything. But it, I was like, that's pretty funny that those are complete opposites. Maybe and, it was like uh, one of those dialogue box choices where yes or no renders the same result. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then uh, one of the other ones, and I know this is 
it, it, we're talking about the mouths moving, and I'm sure it was for that reason. But um, when Luca first runs into Sancho after he escapes being a slave, and he's just laying in bed, and he's asking Sancho to talk about his mom, the sub is he's like, oh, she was beautiful and intelligent. It's just, just the best. And the dub is, your mom was so kind. And that's it. <laughs> And so the, the sub seemed to have more, when they differed greatly, the sub had more to it. So I'm assuming it's the mouth movements more than anything else that. That uh, that and uh, uh, just like Japanese in general is kind of, I don't know, can be, I don't know, they can kind of, uh, they can kind of uh, c- uh, convey more in less time, which I know the way I'm speaking it. Is sounds horrible <laughs> right well, now, but but to just go like... back to uh, an earlier podcast, I know what you're talking about. We just um, in December interviewed the guy doing the who's done all the 3ds fan translations, and what he's stalled with right now with on Joker Three Professional, and what he's stalled with on Dragon Quest Monsters Two for the 3ds. <coughs> he said it's it's almost all done, but he can't find the needle in the haystack. The one thing that will let him put text overrun in text boxes mm-hmm. because the Japanese. It, takes up like 40 characters and they can tell a whole thing he needs to be able to have it scroll through like 90 characters of english tech yeah it's a yeah yeah like japanese can be kind of a a a shorter language at times even though it kind of it can look long (laughs) imagine if they had to do that in german is how long their words are compared to ours <laughs> mm. well, i wonder what they do do they just uh when when they're being professionally localized what do they do in situations like that do they just crop story out and just make it shorter force mm-hmm. it in or or would they update the game code to like add extra oh i'm sure they update extra the text scrolls yeah they can at yeah. least call japan and be like hey where's the trigger to let us add another box whereas uh z Z6 and 4 did not have that ability. Yeah, I think they have to. And then if you remember, like, when the company behind the Dragon Quest Four remake never came here, and that was because the company behind it um, took a sabbatical. So, like, the American side of the house then had no one to call up in Japan and be like, well, hey, how do you switch this in the game and reprogram this? Because they were... They were unavailable. Yep. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was a big part. Yeah, and it was their code, and they were they were the only ones that could work within their code and insert and insert that script. But also in 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 uh, Dragon Quest Nine, this was uh, this was explained to me way better than I'm going to uh, communicate it. But one of the reasons why Dragon Quest Nine will crash is because when there's like a text prompt, it goes in there and it seeks that um, that uh, that block of text for that region and there are certain are certain spots on the map if you access all that it just it tries to access everything at once and then just it it just crashes it's pretty rare but it is but it's all it's all because of a massive text dump huh never heard of that before yeah i think yeah i think it happens in it happens if you're on the boat and doing like certain quests and in in like a specific corner of the map but um yeah it is yeah it does it does happen and that's all that's all because it had it has to fit fetch the correct bit of text and the correct bit of formatting for that for that region uh scenario all that good stuff i'll try and i'll try and dig that up it's actually pretty interesting but with very few exceptions i mean going back to the the dub i think they did a very good job of getting the spirit of what mm-hmm. was 
said. Like mm-hmm. I've seen some some properties in the past where I've seen the dub and the sub, and it was wasn't even close to what was originally said. But I think overall, um, having to rewrite the script to fit the mouth movements, like they did a pretty good job of a couple exceptions of of doing of getting what was really really said in the original yeah this is like a top tier dub i mean the only thing that i think comes close to a dub this quality is is uh ghost stories oh my god are you talking about (laughs) i know what you're talking about it's not because you're a rabbit it's because is that the one the right one yes okay all right i wasn't gonna finish that sentence i wasn't gonna finish it but i was hoping that that was the right one (laughs) was that that horror that horror anime yes Oh, I know. Oh, man. (laughs) We're just like, if you want it, the sub is perfectly accurate, but the dub, they're just like, yeah, just do whatever. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was. (laughs) I remember somebody on the den posted the highlight reel of some of the things from that. Oh, man. That was was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, um,. I guess to jump in on the dub talk, I really enjoyed the dub. I usually watch anime stuff with a dub. Just I, It's nothing against listening to it in Japanese. It's just I just usually default to the dub, just whatever reason. But I really enjoyed listening to it, and I thought everybody was very well cast. And sometimes when I play games or watch movies that have a dub, my brain kind of jumps to more so the voice actor instead of the character itself. I really didn't have that problem with the movie other than... Uh, what was it like when I first heard Luca's voice and like when he's a young adult and I heard that it was uh, Yuri, uh, Yuri Lowenthal it's like oh okay that's blah 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 from this other game but he was about the o- that was about the only time I just kind of just got drawn in by the voice cast they really did such a fantastic job portraying these characters and it was really fun hearing them say a lot of these you know Dragon Quest words and a lot of these Dragon Quest names and spell names and everything and it just seemed so natural for them to say it that you didn't even think about it's sounding kind of funny in English. Yeah. And what's ironic is that uh, something that I heard from the Japanese reviewers uh, and people that watched the movie over there is that um, they weren't too happy about the actors that they got for their uh, version of the movie because, to, you know, there's a huge voice acting industry in Japan for all the anime that they do. And there's a lot of actors that, that do nothing but that. But instead of going for the industry people that usually do those films, those anime films, they actually went for famous live action actors, like what we usually do for like Disney films and stuff like that. And they actually weren't happy about that. And I, I read some reviews where they thought they sounded kind of stilted because they weren't people that traditionally would do animated features. They normally would just do live action work. I remember, oh, I remember that. I remember feeling that way when Final Fantasy The Spirits Within came out. Uh, I saw that in the theater. Oh, and, you poor uh, man! So you did poor I. Man. Yeah, so did but I. it, but like it really, it really felt like that because it wasn't, it wasn't like a Disney Miyazaki dub where they hire live action stars uh, and kind of really work with them. They hired, you know, famous people, but you could, you could tell that they had never really done done voice work before so it sounded very wooden very stilted Mm. dry um so i actually i ended up watching the the sub only i haven't seen the dub yet um i i thought the japanese acting sounded fine um i didn't i you know i i i'm obviously uh not as akin to um the difference in in the voice acting uh between Japan's uh, voice acting community and live action, but uh, I thought I I thought they did a pretty stellar job with uh, with the Japanese voice acting um, from my perspective. Um, the only thing I thought was slightly distracting on the original 
uh, was that the original Japanese names uh, were localized in the subtitles to the English version, which oh. made it kind of weird to hear them say them. Uh, you could hear them say things like Santa Rosa and Wheelbrook would come up on the screen or like um, uh, other things like that character's name. The, the um, Percy's name was Geta Geta and um, uh, Pancras was obviously Papas. Um, so, and Flora was Nira. Um, so, you know, it was obviously, uh, they were trying to tie the subs to the game, the localized names, but I just found it slightly distracting, um, to hear one thing said and read another thing written. And, yeah. You know, that was a direction from Square Enix because that was weird. Cause like throughout the movie, you hear like Flora, Flora, Flora. And then the, the subtitle keeps saying Nira and like, that's not, <laughs> <what I'm saying>. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they bothered to do that, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't have like two subtitle options on Netflix because at least with going some of the DVD releases that I have for again going back to Studio Ghibli stuff, they usually will have two English options. One will be the actual English dialogue itself, like what it'll match up what's being said on screen, mm-hmm. and then there's a second option that's specifically for the Japanese dub, so it's a bit more of an actual like what they're saying if you listen with the japan dub yeah oh, i didn't know that they that's didn't do that with the disney versions though right is that is that's a g kids um, uh... no i think they do it with the disney ones. some of my dvds yeah. are from the disney ones i'm like uh howl's moving castle i tried that one time enter on the english subtitles well i must have accidentally hit it twice the little button on my remote because then the subtitles were completely different and i'm like well that's not what i remember seeing before one time when i had to turn the tv down low so i did some looking and yeah it was it's in the it's one of the disney ones okay i'll have to check that out again because i was i have no idea gonna, the G- oh, sorry go ahead i was gonna try and get the g kids versions because uh um i had uh, i don't i was always under the assumption that the disney um subtitles were not as accurate mm-hmm. I don't know if that's with all the Disney ones. It's just with the hmm. few that I have, like House Moving Castle is the one I've checked, that that has it. I'll have to look at some of my other ones. But I think, like, my copy of, like, Princess Mononoke and some of the other ones does have that option. So if you do plan to get the G-Kids ones, I guess I would try and look into that and see if they do offer the dual uh, subtitle options. Hmm. Uh, any other opinions on the subs versus dubs? Um, one thing... Uh, Dwayne talked about it a little bit before with the guy who did the voice in the dub for um, for uh, Laja. I thought it was really cool the way he sounded, and he did kind of have that Mark Hamill-esque sound to him. But I thought it was really interesting how with his voice, he was so able to just jump back and forth between being like real quiet and almost like sinister. And then he could just kick off that real evil cackle. Like One of my favorite moments was when towards the end when or just before Lodja completely dies and you see just the last little bit of his body's life and he's just like pretty much whispering every single line of dialogue that he says like I don't know what it sounds like in the Japanese dub if it sounds sort of similar to that where he's sort of whispering his lines but that was a really nice little touch and I'd imagine that for voicing a villain that the guy who did Lodge's voice in both English and Japanese probably just had a ball voice in that character. So I haven't listened to the Japanese dub, but at least as far as the English dub goes, he did a really great job with that character and had a lot of fun. Yeah, I had yeah, I had actually I had actually never heard of this guy before. So so I just kind of I just kind of did a quick look and I looked at his Twitter account. And he had a lot of really nice things to say about Dragon Quest Your Story, and I was like, huh, this seems like a cool cool dude. I'm glad he had fun. Nice. All right, with that out of the way we're getting close uh let's talk art style like uh, the animation um and the sounds together um i know we talked about it before the uh sound effects like the curse sound that played when the xenothian sword was realized it wasn't there um i know they had a 
bunch of little spots like that throughout the game. Uh, but, you know, I think we all know me talking about music and sounds is not not exactly an ideal match made in heaven. So I'll, I'll turn that over to you guys. Well, I thought it was really cool how most of the music did come from the three Zenithian games. How you'd have, like, the battle theme from four would kick in, Battle for the Glory. You had music from six. I think it was, it was either Demon Combat, which is the final boss theme, or Monsters, which is the regular boss theme, kicked in at one point when they were fighting. But then you had a few times where songs from other Dragon Quest games popped up. Like, you had To My Loved One playing at one point when uh, Luca and Bianca were talking to each other. Or maybe that was Luca and Nira. I don't remember at what, exactly what point. But I just remember that song kicking in. Because the majority of the music did come from the Zenithian games, but there was a few songs from Dragon Quest three. uh... 7, 9, 10, and there was one from 11. It was that uh, celebration theme. It was, uh, God, what's the name of that one? Uh, the Hero's Triumphant Return. That's what it was. Yeah, it, it felt like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It felt like an actual an actual soundtrack, and I'll use I'll use the Heroes games as an example. While the the music in, the, uh, in those games are great, it definitely sounds like they're just taking the greatest hits, and it's the same versions we've heard in every single game for the past five plus years. Okay. Uh, the same arrangements and everything, and they're just like replaying them, and they're putting them in scenes that it's nice it just like it's nice to hear it but it doesn't it just doesn't seem like it fits all the time this sounded this sounded natural it seemed like it was actually composed for the movie which we all know it wasn't but hey I was like, hey, that's a nice touch. <laughs> well, Sugiyama, he was a uh, composer for movies before he jumped into the games, wasn't he? Because I, I thought I saw somewhere that he did do a few movies like in the 70s and so. Yeah, movies, TV, uh, TV shows, anime, and all that okay. stuff. Okay. Well, could be then... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Also, he's got he's got an an art book that's due out in Japan next week. That's uh, uh, that's about his music uh, on the Dragon Quest games. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure what it's called, but um, I looked at a couple preview pages for it because I found out there's two new Dragon Quest art books, and well, I, I guess I'm I'm guess I'm ordering those and paying thirty four dollars in shipping from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an, it's an art book for music. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's okay. a um uh. Uh, they should have it on Amazon uh, Japan and Play Asia too. They'll have they'll have sample pages, but it's uh it's all about um, his Dragon Quest music and and it's got a lot of notes and one of the composers that he works with. So if you're into that sort of thing, check it out. Yeah, yeah definitely will. I have to do that. As much I know, we'll get into it, but Sugiyama is kind of controversial. But I really do enjoy his music a lot. Like to me, his, the games are just so complete with his music being present in it. So hearing the music in the movie was, for one, really cool. And I liked how at the beginning it sort of transitioned from the Super Nintendo or Super Famicom sound system of Toward the Horizon, uh, the Overworld theme from Dragon Quest V, and then it or uh, kind of transitioned into a full orchestrated version for a little bit. And then the rest of the movie, you had all these different Dragon Quest songs. And even though I've recognized what games they were from and what the songs were, they never felt like it was like intruding on the scene or just like, oh, they just put that song in just because it's Dragon Quest, you know? Yeah. Like anytime the overture kicked in, it felt like it really did belong. Like when Aelis finally is able to use the uh, Zenithian sword and he pulls it from the seat. And when that overture kicks in and he's just starting to beat up those gigantes like crazy, that was like, okay, like, that totally fit. I know it's the overture, but my brain didn't even think about it being just that song. It's like, yeah, it's an awesome moment. So it needs an awesome song for it. <laughs> uh, I like the sound effects too. We mentioned, um, 
uh, you mentioned the the curse noise when when the um, the sword is missing. Um, when he finds the when he um, breaks into his house as an as an older um, man and uh, and finds the secret passage, they play the sound clip of like discovering a special item oh, when, yeah. once the once the secret passage. I, I thought that was really cool, well done. Um, they didn't do any stairs noises, did they? Because that's something that you know that I would have expected, like them walking down the stairs, and you hear like. <laughs> no, but they did. I mean, there was that dun, 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 sound effect when the staircase did get showed. So I guess that's kind yeah. of close to it. Yeah, that's 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 what I was talking about when he finds the secret passage. That's like a yeah. special item noise. Yeah. Oh, what is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, just in my. Playlist for it. It's just called "Important Item Discovery." That's just the title of the, of the jingle. <laughs> that <Nice>. doesn't help. <laughs> um, but yeah, the art style was very modern. Um, I mean, after day one when they released that art style, everyone just making the same joke on Twitter about how to train your Dragon Quest. Um, but it did look like they were trying to appeal to Westerners with the art style, despite the um, yeah. I guess we'll get into the twist in a little bit um, on. Uh, uh the theme that the uh the theme that comes up at the end about nostalgia basically um so yeah it was it was kind of an appeal it was appeal to both western and japanese audiences in a lot of ways um but yeah overall i i like the changes i wasn't really i wasn't upset that they didn't go with the toriyama style i know that a lot of the japanese fans and some american fans as well um or some western fans were upset that they didn't go with toriyama Dwayne, how did you feel about that uh i was actually very very happy with the art style of it see and and like a lot of so so the dragon quest monsters plus manga it's to me like it looks it looks fine but it doesn't look like dragon quest to me it looks too anime ish uh and so there are certain uh, uh are certain instances where artists will take will take those toriyama designs and it still has the original feel i think i think emblem of of roto does that very well where it's still it's still its own thing but it, it, it honors the source i thought i thought the art style of this of this movie honored the source very well um while still while still doing its own thing um i think the amount of 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 detail in pushing the character designs forward a little bit without them being overly uh designed like the michael bay turtles um i thought i thought it was great um and just this in uh this entire movie you can tell so many people put so much effort into modeling texturing lighting um which is which which actually makes me kind of sad that this is like a two a two out of five star rated movie in Japan because they definitely spent a lot of time on making this look wonderful and unique and original um and I think that's that's something the Japanese audience is missing. I would totally buy an art book with these with these uh, designs, which is saying something because I'm I'm usually not a 3D render type of person, but I think a lot of these look like paintings. A lot of them look like 2D artwork. Um, and but I think if they went with if they went just purely Toriyama. Um, the, uh, they already have Dragon Ball movies, Dragon Ball Super. I think I think you run the risk, and people say all the time anyway, just like oh, this looks like Dragon Ball. If you if you run those next to one another, I think I think it's gonna it's gonna look too similar. I think this this makes it stand out in its own way, and it doesn't look like another cinematic from like one of the games. It doesn't look like a commercial for one of the games, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think 
I like the overall the overall style of the movie. Like I love Toriyama. I love um, that he's the artist for Dragon Quest and what he comes up with. Um, and I would never want to see his artwork uh, go some other style for the main the mainline Dragon Quest games. But it was nice to see kind of like a different interpretation of what we've seen for years for this movie. So even though it would be nice to also see uh, like a more of a Toriyama style type uh, project, which I mean, I guess that's what we're going to get with that new uh, die anime that's coming out. But um, yeah, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I like the way that this movie looks it, despite it not being Toriyama. I still enjoyed how the, uh, the artwork looked. Yeah. yeah I, like like to... I was saying, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I do agree with you guys about how the way it looks. Because I, I mean, yeah, it doesn't look quite like Toriyama stuff exactly, but I felt like the way that they designed them, it still had some of the looks and charm of Toriyama's characters. Like, I loved it when Harry came in towards the end of the movie with the ship, and he still had that look, but now he had all this extra armor and stuff. It's like, that's a really, you know, cool idea to sort of expand on his design that Toriyama originally made. Or And one of my favorite new designs was how they made the killing machines slash the robots towards the later half of the movie, how they made them look in that 3D. There were so many nice little extra details when looking at them. Like, I loved how when it showed a close-up of their eye or their little scan, whatever you want to call it, how there was, like, little extra details to it, like, almost like little extra circles and written up. I don't know what the right words would be, but essentially it looked like it was like a bunch of little components together making up what essentially if you pulled away it would just look like one big glowing beam. So little details like that were really cool to see and how they changed the monsters in some of the world. Uh, Pendy, you also mentioned uh, something about the, the join party queue. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember when that that was like so I loved where they put all the music uh, in this game, like had no complaints about it. It sounded very natural and it was great selections and great choices for where they put it. The only one that was kind of weird to me is where they had the join party theme where Harry and uh, Luca, they get they come back to Coburg and that kind of plays in the background. That was kind of weird. But otherwise, he's leaving, right? He's leaving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he rejoined the kingdom. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was kind of weird. But other, other than that, I loved where they put everything. It was perfect. Um, the only thing, someone mentioned the stair sound. The only other thing that they did not put in there that I, unless someone can correct me, is I don't think they used the level up cue at any point in the movie. That would have been cool too. But, oh yeah, they didn't do that. Mm, I don't remember hearing that at all. But I mean, it, there's so much music and, and sound effects that they do so so well in this movie that I, I don't have any complaints about that. It was great. Yeah, even the zoom. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, there is was, that sound effect, yeah. Yeah. And and I think the monsters zoom right after them, which I think was pretty cool. I've never seen before. There was actually a zoom chase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny it was Gigantes too that did it, because just going off of in the game, they can't do any magic whatsoever. They're just more I mean, like a, a wall of muscle that just gets a lot of health and defense. That's all. That's yeah. They don't know spells whatsoever. Well, these were particularly level gigantes. Yes, this is true. <laughs> they broke the level. They broke the level cap. <laughs> but uh, for music, the, there were only two times where I thought there was kind of odd music choices. And actually, I think it was Doc Hill, or if that's who you say his name, on the den brought it up, where when Bianca's turned to stone, the music Saint from Dragon Quest V starts playing, which is that nice somber song that plays like when you wake up in the church after you've escaped from uh, the cult after building the temple. It's that really nice, peaceful one. And that starts playing when she's turned to stone. And that didn't really fit because you had Lodja like leering over her, holding her up and just, it's this nice, pretty song playing. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> and then the other one, 
and I was kind of surprised this wasn't the credit song, and only because of what game it's based on. I'm surprised that Bridal Waltz only played at the point where um, uh, Luca, propo- uh, Luca proposes to Bianca, and it didn't play at all during uh, the actual credits, because like in the game itself, uh, Bridal Waltz is the final song you hear of the game, and like when it gets to the end, that's when the song ends off. You see cherry blossoms like falling through the sky, and it's like, oh, hooray, we did it, we beat- saved the world. It was weird that they chose Into the Legend from dragon quest 3 to be like the last credit song you heard i get why they did that because it's sort of you know it's your story so kind of makes sense that they would use that song i'm just surprised that that wasn't used like even just for a little quick snippet at the end to kind of lead into that song almost or to lead into into the legend but that's probably just a really minor nitpick i'm a bit of a dragon quest music nerd i will admit it but (laughs) i was just kind of waiting for that song to kick in when the credits are rolling that does remind me that when i went and saw the movie in japan and they started rolling the credits um that was something where not only did I want to see, you know, what they did with the credits, but just to kind of sit there and bask in the Dragon Quest music that they were playing was just a, an, an amazing experience in a theater. Mm-hmm. You've been to uh, a couple of his concerts, haven't you? I went to that, that same trip. I went to a concert. It was the yeah, that's what I first time that I had done that. And it was and it was actually Sujiyama was the one that conducted the concert because he doesn't do it very often. And it was a very it was an amazing experience. It was great. I'd be curious what that concert you went to, if they played the songs in the order of the, well, at least going off the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphonic Suite CD, or if they changed the order up a bit. I I would assume they probably would have to change it, because did they do an intermission at all when you were at that concert? They did. They did do one. Okay. Yeah, so they might have to change up stuff depending on the lengths of the songs. Yeah, because they ended up, for that concert, they did the soundtrack to three, and then as as an encore, then they did a, a... a mixture of game or uh, songs from other games as well. Oh, cool. All right. Is it time to talk about the ending? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The infamous twist. Uh, I, I'll start. I know, Liam, you got a lot to say. Everybody else will, too. Um, <laughs> I, I, after watching it, I, I've seen it three times now because I think this is, a, like I said, I woke up at four in the morning. So this hit between pausing to take notes and everything, this hit about six. I'd been up for a couple hours. I think I dozed off a little during this ending sequence. <laughs> so like later on Thursday, I rewatched like 20 minutes of the battle and everything and caught some more. And then I watched it again tonight. So maybe I've watched it two and a half times with the first, but it, I, I don't I don't love it, but it's OK. <laughs> I've come to peace with it. <laughs> I've heard about it since August. I spoiled myself like day one about it. So I, I don't really overthink things. I, I was okay. It was rough watching it with a three and a six year old because they were like, what's going on? And you know, I, I'm like, I, how, how do you explain that? That this game's all of a sudden, this movie's become a little too meta. Mm. <laughs> and it's fourth wall breaking. It, very much. And I was, uh, whatever. I, I was lucky they just kind of made it through and accepted it for what it is and but but it's funny you say you fell asleep the first time because if you did fall asleep during um the reveal of the ending where everything freezes then you kind of fall right into line where lucas says oh yeah nimzo put you guys all under a sleep spell <laughs> so <laughs> you fell under the sleep spell congratulations I fall under the sleep spell yes i did <laughs> so that's that's my uh, one cent on it i i tried not to think two cents deep about that too much 
Um, so, I mean, as as soon as I saw what they were doing with it, and I did avoid spoilers until uh, until I watched it on Thursday. Um, as soon as I saw what they were doing with it, I thought, oh, man, they're trying to do a wreck at Ralph. And instead, they wrecked it and made it the audience Ralph. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I see, like, I saw how they were trying to tie it to nostalgia through the possibility of, like, a DQVR in the future. Like, that I thought was cool, but overall, like, uh, I just thought they were just, um, I mean, it was really just like a middle finger to the plot of the game that the audience yeah. loves for being very plot heavy. And, uh, you know, I understand the majority of the audience's reaction. Um, you know, while it, while it does bring to light the fact that we have our own experiences with these characters, the twists mean that none of the characters in the story we watched just like we just watched uh, really matter except to the individual, you know? Um, it's funny, like all, even all the, the questions that the hero asks the, to the virus can be applied to the audience from the audience to the filmmakers. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> why won't you let us be? That's it. What kind of motive is that? Yes, <laughs> you blew it up. And, and Turn then, you all to hell. And then, consequently, the virus's response to the filmmaker uh, is the filmmaker's response to the audience, which is that's just the way it is. And the more audacious, grow up, loser. I thought oh that was really God. ballsy of them to put that, that in. So it was dark. like, yeah, the coup de grace of, the, of fuck you. <laughs> that was very jarring when he said that. It's like, did I really just hear that in a I know, my movie? <laughs> my immediate response to that line was like, wow, they're really fucking with us. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I, I agree that that twist it just cheapens all that happened before since, you know, now you realize oh it's all simulated, it was all fake. Yeah. So basically the plot of the game boils down to a board hacker trolls VR game, the level of Dragon an Quest. arcade VR game. It's an arcade VR game. <laughs> level of Dragon Quest and an effective antivirus program saves the day. I mean, like at least in other anime, when they <clears throat> when they use this kind of trope, there's more at stake. Somebody's life is at stake. There's a cool mystery or something. But no, it's just like you know, it's a board hacker that wanted to screw with people. Is basically what the the movie ends up <laughs> being about. Um, and then plus, like, like, if, near if Luca looked like oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll look like that one WoW player in, in South Park, and he was trying to help to help this dude. That's one thing, but it wasn't. Not at all. It's awful. And, and, then the, and then the line near towards the end, after everything gets resolved, and uh, the, the hero, Luca says, like, oh, you, always, you will always be real to me, you know, all of you, is, like, and he's talking about like the game characters, and that's kind of like a disturbing sen sentiment because they're, they're all fake. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to keep spending money to, to stay in that world. Huh. <laughs> and and if you if you ever been to a shopping mall and see how expensive the VR is there, and <laughs> I mean he's got to be paying through the teeth for the entire Dragon Quest V experience. It's like the arcade owners was like, "Will you knock this off? He's our best customer." <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of shifts shifts it from someone who loves Dragon Quest to someone who has like an unhealthy obsession with it. Like I love Dragon Quest, but like I don't think any of the characters is like real people. Like I, I have you know. Fun memories of playing the game and being in the game world, but I'm not like oh Bianca, my love. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, not that much. <laughs> I guess I'll jump in now and give my opinion. But um, so I knew about the spoilers back in 
August or whenever the movie originally came out. And I, but my interpretation going into it from what I had heard was that it was going to be like far worse than what it actually was in the movie. Like I thought the entire ending portion was just going to be like everything broke down. Um, the virus who was supposed to be Nimzo or representation of it came along. And something I read like months ago said like the virus wanted to go out and like take over the world, like the real world or something. It was just this bunch yeah, of I read hogwash. That same spoiler. Yeah. It's like a bunch of hogwash on that. And then like the antivirus was the slime. That part was true. And it's like, oh, well, I'm here to make sure that that doesn't happen. You got to defeat him. And and like so apparently the movie ended with the guy getting out of the machine and what realized that he had to grow up or something. And then yeah. watching the movie, it was like, well, I mean, there's the virus part. And he acknowledges that, you know, the story felt real to him. But he realizes that, you know, once this is done, I got to go back to the real world. I mean, he's sad, but he, you know, realizes that, you know, it's time to move on. He's always going to have the, the memories of playing the game, which I did like that they showed that, like him playing the original Super Famicom version and the PS2 version. And I did think I do have to agree with Pendy where it was a little disturbing where he was like, oh, these feel so real to me. These are real people. <laughs> where that was a little but I was like, okay, it's gone a little too far with that. But I can at least understand the sentiment where, you know, the story meant a lot because, you know, everybody has that one game or several games that like really resonate with them and they really enjoy the characters and stuff. So I think they went a little too far with trying with him saying stuff like that. Mm. I think if they would have toned that back a little bit more, it would be a little more relatable. But as for like the virus itself, I mean, it was definitely kind of like a, whoa, that's a crazy twist and i didn't see that i mean even though i knew about it, it's like well this is really interesting how they're executing this right now but they did kind of hint at it at the movie where characters would say oh well it's robots this time or things seem different this time and even luke yeah. is like this time what are you talking about right right so it i mean the virus thing definitely was just kind of like a what the hell is happening right now moment especially him when he said grow up loser that that was so stupid when he said that <laughs> that i will totally agree with you liam that was just absolutely stupid he said that it's like what is this in the movie what the hell is going on but that was really like that, so solely put there to piss off the audience because like, all, all the fans that love this is this is your story and, yeah. and the filmmakers yeah, but, are like grow up you losers come on but really it was just it was that like five minutes or so when the virus was on screen like everything stopped that was about the only point of the movie that i just was just kind of well whatever on it because i really yeah. did enjoy everything else and like yeah i like how after that point too it shows all of them like looking over uh, wheelbrook i think it was and you see the fireworks and they're all celebrating and like you get to hear some last little quips from uh, bianca and alice and stuff so even though you know that part before it was didn't make absolutely any sense whatsoever and it just was so weird it's nice then that they tried to go back a bit more to the game itself and tried to end on a bit more of a positive note and show like one last little interaction with stuff but yeah that virus thing was just really bizarre i didn't hate it as much as everybody well not as everybody but as like half the people who saw the movie did but i definitely understand where people come from where they're like well this is just the worst ending they could have done i totally yeah. understand <laughs> Totally. And I, I, I mean, yeah, because it is it is the the story of Dragon Quest five is very story driven. And to take that away and make it something else that that says that story doesn't matter. Like that's I, what I think really did not resonate with fans. Um, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of fans, especially a lot of Japanese fans, they say oh, yeah. like story wise, five is their favorite. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. I mean. It was a bold move to do mm -hmm. that, yep. but there are very few movies that can have an ending like this and can wreck the entire film. Mm. Um, has uh, have you guys seen? Uh, 
uh, the movie The Mist? Um, I have snippets yeah. of it, but not the whole thing. No. Okay. Uh, Stephen King. Okay. Let me go ahead and spoil this for you, because uh, it's a really it's a it's an old movie anyway. So basically, Mist. You know, monsters come in uh, to this town. So this guy takes his family, and there's a big thing. He's like, "We're gonna leave," and he has a gun. And there are six people in the car, but he only has five bullets. So uh, he kills uh, he kills his family, and he's like, "Oh no, I've killed." It just like the grief. He's like overcome with with grief and in that instance the army comes in and shoots and kills all the monsters in the mist and the mist goes away uh it's supposed to be an ironic ending um i however think that this is the funniest ending to any movie ever <laughs> i laughed until i thought that i was gonna throw up <laughs> and it's still it still just like cracks me up and at the and at the very end just like the lady that was convinced that was trying to uh, convince him just like not to leave just like passes by and like a carrier and like gives him a look <laughs> just twisting that knife further so it's one of it's one of those endings unfortunately and which is which is sad because i think like this this could have been a great movie that that you can stream for kids you mm -hmm. can stream for kind of older people and like it's it has that all all ages feel that i think everyone can uh, can enjoy it could have been a brand builder people would have gone and picked up dragon quest 5 on their phones or tracked down the ds version or whatnot um but just in it in like like you said it really is a middle finger to, uh to the audience because you know you've spent the last hour and a half building up this world getting invested in this world and these and these characters mm. and then all of a sudden ha psych doesn't matter right. if there yeah. if if there was foreshadowing it at points throughout the movie i think it wouldn't have been so bad but just to just like when you're getting to the very end and then it does this it's just i don't know i mean and it just you know since uh since i'm an artist and a graphic designer and all that i mean my heart my heart really does kind of break for these hundreds and hundreds of people who worked very long hours on this movie and i don't think that their work will be in it, like it is it's not being appreciated as much as it should be because of it this should movie. be yeah mm -hmm. Because everything else about this movie is so great and well done. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's the only part uh, that I I really take issue with, but such a such a large part of the of the of the plot and the movie. Mm. So it just kind of it doesn't quite ruin everything for me. But it it's it could have been a lot better if they had just just you know conned straight with the original story of the game. Yeah, yeah. and you're. And when you're doing 3D animation too, it's not you, you know you are doing your your modeling and your sculpting, but there's also a lot of programming, animation algorithms, and all that, uh, and lighting. There's I think there's so much that has uh, uh, gone into this, and it's just this ending just totally wrecks it, and it's just it's just sad to me because I think I think that this is a wonderful work of art that a dumb dumb ending just sinks. It's just like it's just like the ending of the mist except not quite as funny mm -hmm. <laughs> it almost makes me wish with how that they would have changed the ending up so you know nimzo does end up coming along we don't seal the gate in time right and that he he shows up and then he sort of hints at that there's something else about the world that the, that uh luca doesn't quite understand but then yeah. like this you know not not necessarily be flat out like oh it's you know a false reality you've been playing a game the whole time but mm -hmm. just sort of hints at it and then that's when the slime shows up and it's like well i you know we can help or 
I can help you. You know, he says something whenever gives him the sword. They have one last battle. There's a nice little ending. And then have like a post credit scene or something where it shows yeah. the kid who is Luca like going out and being like, man, that was, you know, a really great experience. So I love playing this game when I was a kid and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's you know, excellent. That's excellent. Try and change it something like that. And then, you know, you could still have like show it was a, a game the whole time. But it doesn't like slap you in the face and it's like, haha, you were playing a game the whole time. You're not in a real world at all. What are you getting <laughs> attached to these characters for? Grow up, loser. Yeah. And and honestly, to uh, to be fair, I think I think the design of the virus is great on how yeah. on how like the uh, uh, the little blocks inside of them moved around at that little frame rate skip. And I thought just like all the blocks, how they would just kind of move and stop and then kind of jitter and move and move and pause again. I mean the the artistry that went into that was great it was it was the storytelling aspect that fell through yeah i I think it would have been a better ending for it to be uh if if at the very end you realize he comes out of the the vr simulator you know because they could have made it like a post-credit scene like that what they do for some of those marvel movies where you know you go through the whole credits and then like oh there's the little extra and if you didn't stay and watch it guess what you're not out anything you had a great time watching the movie yeah or just take that concept and and make it you know raise the stakes of what was going to happen like maybe like i'm sure i think they've done this before but like like maybe the virus was going to get out and actually infect infect something else or something more important or or maybe the virus is getting out and then oh everyone's screwed or, or something like that but it was just the whole explanation was like oh yeah it's a board it's a hacker he was bored so he wanted to yeah. screw the game like, that's all yeah yep. a dq hating hacker yeah <laughs> and and also maybe maybe the virus could have been um someone Simplest. like from 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 dq6 it could have been uh Deathmore or Dark Dream, how they were, how they would kind of invade, invade other worlds a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah that could have been interesting. Like, kind of tie it into more of the Zenithian trilogy that way, because it could have very well have been Deathmore, because mm-hmm. he does try and take over multiple realms, and who's to say that his power couldn't extend out to like different versions of that same world, almost, or like to what, whatever they try and explain, or like it's the past or the present or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I still don't quite know how that relates, but you know, something like that. That would be an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I saw it with uh, I, my second watch was with my wife, who's not a she's not a uh, Dragon Quest fan. Um, and, uh, she was fine with the ending. She thought it was, she thought it was a fine twist. So I think a lot of it too has to do with the fact that she's never played Dragon Quest V. Um, and we all have, and we've played it for like, we've been playing it for like 20 years. So there is that nostalgic tie in, um, you know, this might just be a fans only film. Um, it's, it might be one of those things where it's for, it's, it's made for fans, even if it messes with fans at the end. Um, and that, that was, that was one of the things that I was thinking of on my second playthrough. The other thing I was thinking of was re-editing it so that you just take out the virus ending at all, all together, you know, uh, you cut it when, when, um, uh, when Alice is falling, you maybe just fade it out so that the music doesn't uh, cut awkwardly, and then you fade back in when they're like all on the uh, on the ground together, celebrating like the victory. You know, something something like that, uh, and just make like a fan for fans only edit of of the movie. It, you could just do that and just have it be a Dragon Quest Five movie. Let's see what they need. What you need to do, and just to bring back a, a Monty Python joke again, you need to cut that part, but just have that dumb intermission part from like 
uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where there's like the the rainbow colored intermission screen and that like annoying organ music playing. Where it's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> just have that interrupt that part of the movie, and all of a sudden it just cuts to the end where it's like, oh hey, I beat Nimzo, <laughs> or, uh, or had the uh, JoJo to be continued. <laughs> Just the giant pillar shoots out of the out of the sky and just hear the do 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 do. Or the uh, Eric Andre will be right back. There you go. <laughs> well, you know when that did happen and the movie po- freezes like that, I at first thought there was something with my wrong with my Netflix because I, I was having internet troubles that morning. So I was like, did did, did the movie freeze up? Like, well, then it cut to another shot. I'm like, okay, no, this is actually happening. And it's like, oh, now we're getting to that ending. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so let me ask you this: Is it better to see? And I have a point to this: Is it better to see the ending, even if it's bad, than to not to not to watch an entire series and not see the ending at all? <laughs> um, I I think I see where you're getting at. Yes, because <laughs> I was I was watching the uh, the uh, Dragon Quest Able anime. And uh, I was watching the fans, the fan sub series on on YouTube, which I was very happy uh, to see. I was very glad that it was uh, com- complete. Uh, I had gone, I had gone on my vacation to Washington in, in Oregon. I had come back. I had three episodes left. I watched episode forty on Thursday. Watched uh, forty one on Friday, and on Saturday, finally, thirty years. I've been waiting to see the ending of this of this series. And um, hit play on episode forty two. I was greeted with a copyright claim from Toei Animation. They hadn't done that to any of the other episodes. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're all still up except for this one. And I'm, at this point, I am convinced that this is a a, a personal attack on me by by Toei Animation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like you did this just to be dicks. <laughs> yeah. That's the only explanation because There's they only no, did it for the final episode. Is why would they why would they claim the last one and not the entire thing? Yeah. You know they did do something like that in I think it was last year in Japan. Uh Evo 2019 Japan, they were going to have Dragon Ball Fighters like the the which had been the newest fighting game from that series and a lot of people really liked it, but it was either like I think it was Toei Animation that came along and was like, "Oh no, you can't have that game at the at the show." And everyone's like, "Well, why not?" Some about copyrights, or they wanted extra money for. It. I don't know the exact details, but like Toei just came in and was like, "Nope, you can't have that." <laughs> so they they just seem to have a vendetta against anything Toriyama related, and it's like, "Oh, you you want to enjoy that?" Nope, sorry, you can't. Well, and and honestly, I think I I think it's because the amount the, the amount of of rights that uh, Toriyama puts uh, puts over his work, which I mean, as an artist, I think he's fully he he's fully in his right to do that. But at the same time, this is getting this is getting expensive because, especially with with uh, Dragon Quest, you have to pay him for every single art asset. <laughs> Wasn't the Able anime the one too where they didn't credit him, or was that just in the English version? That was the um, English dub. That was Saban English okay. dub. And, and I think I think as far as as far as Abel goes, he only he only provided the initial character design. I don't I don't think he was involved in really anything past that. Kind of like kind of like Dragon Ball GT. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna draw this here. You guys, <laughs> you guys have fun. Well, that turned out so well. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts about the ending? 
I did like how when it showed, um, like during that little montage, we're showing the in real life, the Luca kid in real life, how when he was in the game and getting ready to start playing it, I did think it was cool that they had um, the guy who was operating the machine dressed up like Tuppence from uh, yeah. the Castle. Yeah. Like oh, that. I didn't so, even notice that. Yeah, I saw well, that too. It's, it's a fair point to not notice that because, I mean, really... Who uses Tuppence? He's just kind of there. <laughs> uh, I do. I do. He's a great, like, he's a great, just like purely like soldier type physical character, like kind of like a tank. Well, there just we like go. he's we have... until until I get my golem, and it's like I was like, okay, you're <laughs> in the, like the back in the area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was. I thought that was kind of a cool little detail. It, I mean, it, it was in the middle of that whole virus part, but that was kind of nice to see some of that little background detail stuff and. You know, if you play the game, you recognize it, and it's sort of a blink and you'll miss it sort of thing. But mm. yeah, that that I did like about that, even though the rest of that ending was kind of like, well, this is really weird. But that that was a nice little touch with some of that background stuff in that uh, big like Dragon Quest experience room, like yeah. or, or outside the machine. I mean, that was yeah. cool. And a lot of that was inspired as well by Dragon Quest VR, um, which is an actual thing that you can do in Japan. Uh, I know uh, I've done it. Pendy, Pendy, you did it as well. Um, where you're in a giant room with a VR headset on, just kind of slashing a sword at at, uh, at these monsters all around you. Um, and so I think what this is doing is trying to kind of show you the future of a possible Dragon Quest VR, where you can experience a, a much larger world um, in in real time. And you can and you can hop in and have a great time up until the end, and then someone tells you to get a life loser. <laughs> yeah. Nimzo just comes and smacks you in the yeah. face. Get a life loser. Grow up, like, loser. Huh. Money, money well spent. <laughs> I was I was disappointed that we actually did not even get to see Nimzo, and they they talk about him. So that that's one of the yeah. things. Where even if you cut out the virus part, um, if you just crop that out and and just have the movie itself, you're still not going to see Nimzo. The Lodge would be like the only final boss you get for that for that movie yeah, because the entire the entire cult aspect really really wasn't in there because there's um Ibul and i don't remember what they renamed him in the current in the current localization but he was he was the the little crocodile guy he was he was supposed to be the head of the cult before nimzo Mildrath. but his name oh, sorry go ahead um but i think i think if they if they had him they would have to do his second form because again it's that was uh he was uh designed at a time when toriyama was, was extremely overworked and you don't want to get uh piccolo comparisons yeah yeah because they could have done like a silhouette of his smaller self but then when he pops up uh for real like out of the clouds or something then it's just, like his gigantic uh well fat guy form i guess is the only way to really call it and, and if not <laughs> and if not uh nimzo maybe he uh like maybe he he summons the wrong one and, and a stark pops up <laughs> and he's like oh crap, that's worse <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. i, I kind of was just oh sorry go ahead that way it doesn't benefit Laja either it's mm -hmm. just like everybody's in trouble now mm -hmm. that would have been fun Oh no! Yeah, it was too bad, just from a music point of view, that we didn't get to hear um, Nimzo's theme because um, the song is just called Satan, which is fitting considering his second form. But it was really kind of disappointing that didn't show up at one point in the movie because that is a pretty cool boss theme with how it's really quiet for the most part. But then like you have the woodwinds that come in, they get real loud, and, like it just kind of builds up in volume as this is going on. I thought that would have been kind of a cool song, even if Nimzo himself wasn't in the movie, to have that playing during like one of the final battles, like to show that 
as he's getting closer to uh, Laja during that fight, like going up the stairs, like the music gets more intense and more intense. Like to, because that's how the song works, just to re- kind of have that reflect the scene that's going on and what you're watching on screen. So, yeah, I mean, overall, um, I, my, the, the best parts of the movie were without, without a doubt, the DQ5 story elements. Um, but it's almost like you have to kind of critique it from like two different angles. It's like one is like what we wanted the film to be and then what it ended up being in, in terms of like what they were trying to do with tying nostalgia. And I know, Platy, yeah. you picked out uh, that they they actually uh, had when they go in and do the flashback with where he's just getting the Super Famicom Dragon Quest V for the first time. He's like blowing into the cartridge. Who blew into their Super Nintendo game? What's Who that? Who blew into their Super Nintendo games? <laughs> he blew into Nintendo games. NES. Was that blew into that... Super Nintendo games? Oh <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> I, I yeah. thought that was a cute moment, though. Yeah. yeah, it was funny. I don't like. I didn't. I didn't really think of it as like a Super Nintendo thing versus Nintendo thing, but it was yeah. funny. Plus, it was a brand new game. Why would he have? <laughs> to blow into it yeah. For he's, he's really hard with his games he's really rough just throwing <laughs> them around everywhere yeah i only ever did that with my nintendo games because they wouldn't always work the first time um but super nintendo games like they just always worked every time so i just never ended up using that trick which which you know wasn't something that worked anyways but yeah mm-hmm. i remember having to do that at my grandma's place when not with the super nintendo but with her nintendo 64 she had at her house because I don't know if it was the system itself or the games, but you kind of had to work to get the games to work properly. You might have to take it out and try blowing in, which is actually not a good idea for doing that <laughs> uh, for cartridges. But, you know, you just had to kind of try different stuff. And then eventually when it started working, it's like, OK, we, we can't turn the console off anymore now, guys. We have to yeah. just keep playing Mario Kart 64. We can't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder if if uh, if uh, Nintendo... Because, like, they kept telling people, like, do not, just, like, do not blow on the games. Clean them properly. Here's here's a cleaning kit. We'll give you instructions, like, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. And people kept doing it. And people make shirts sh- shirts out of this now and, like, all that. That's probably how, how, how Tide feels. It's like, we keep telling people, do not eat the Tide Pods. <laughs> keep doing it. <laughs> like, Damn it! How many times do we have to tell you people? Well, well, I guess I guess that's why they uh, uh, they put that special coating on Switch games so people won't put them in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I only just found out about that like a week ago. I'm like, they do that? Really? <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad idea in case little kids are around. But I, I mean, who who goes around and licks all their cartridges or CDs or whatever? <laughs> and the thing is, I do it as just a like if they hadn't had told anyone that, it just it would have been fine. But they told they told everyone that, and now. We've got tons of tons of YouTube videos of people putting Switch games in their mouth mouth to taste test it. Oh my <laughs> like that was that was someone's job to develop a specific flavor to coat to coat Switch games with. Like someone got paid for that. I want to know who. That's uh, th- uh, that's an interview that I want to read. <laughs> the guy behind like the vomit flavored jelly beans from oh, Jelly yeah. Belly for the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> oh yeah, for the, like the birdie bots every flavored beans. Yeah. Less yeah. you're whack. Well if it, if it'd be really funny if and not that I'd ever test this, but um just going to another game real quick, if you guys ever played Pikmin 2, there's little journal entries, and one of the journal entries for one of the enemies you can encounter on the overworld is this big rock looking monster. Well the other captain that you can control, he gives you notes on like what monsters and like enemies will taste like when you get to the rock monster one he's like inedible tastes like chicken (laughs) 
<laughs> it's really funny. And you guys just talking about like that, what taste would they have to make? It just reminded me of that. Because really, why would you pay somebody just to make a taste like that for a cartridge? That's so funny. And they had to have people test it, too. They had actual taste testers. <laughs> <laughs> this one tastes too much like black licorice. We got to make it worse. Right. I like black licorice. Well, then you might enjoy the taste of a Switch cartridge. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just have the Switch cartridge in the system. But uh, well, just, all right. just go buy some black licorice at the store. It'd be close <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be more cost-effective. Um, so. Uh, anything else? Final thoughts on the movie? Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, since they uh, showed him play Dragon Quest V through all the different iterations that are out there for it, that in the credits you see Nintendo and PlayStation right next to each other. And mm-hmm. I can't think of any other uh, movie that has that would have that. If you guys, unless you guys know of anything, but I thought that was pretty cool to see them both in the same same spot in the end credits. Um, Something else that I've been thinking about. Um, one of the I'm one of the admins over at uh, Dragon Questers Facebook group. So now that this movie's been out for a little bit, uh, I'd be interested to see kind of like what uh, the community thinks about it and see like you know just put up a poll and be like, hey, do you guys like it? Do you dislike it? Because I'd like to it'd be interested to see like you know what the American audience, the American DQ fans think of it compared to the Japanese fans. Because mm-hmm. so what what I've seen so far like on IMDb. Like out of ten, it rates like at a six point two right now, which is kind of like it's not like like bad, but kind of average, but not really great either. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not much on Rotten Tomatoes yet. I think it has like a sixty percent audience score of sixty something percent people liking it. Uh, there's not really a lot of critics out there yet, so there's not like a lot of reviews that you can find. <laughs> What's funny is that the not the plot synopsis on Rotten Tomatoes is actually the plot synopsis for the Die anime. It's not even for the right thing. So, <laughs> wow. I thought that was funny. Um, I- didn't the Japanese fans rate it like twenty seven percent out of like a hundred? Oh yes, it was. It was pretty bad because like yeah, it was scathing. I did some research yeah. for it and it it bombed pretty bad in Japan. It had a budget of eighteen point five million, but it only uh, got eleven million in ticket sales. And mm-hmm. then when you see if you go to like the Amazon Japan uh, Amazon Japan for the Blu Ray that's out now. Mm-hmm. It's got like, I think Dwayne mentioned it before. It's like a two out of five stars rating. And then there's like a popular Japanese movie site that I found called, I think it's called Iga or something like that. And it rates it like 2.2 out of five stars. So like a lot of the fans in Japan were not happy with the film at all. And what, uh, Pendy, you saw it in the theater with the Japanese audience. What was their reaction like? to that final scene, the twist. So uh, there wasn't a lot of people in the, the theater when I was there. And it's, I don't think it's just because it didn't do very well, but because I saw like a weird, like a 10 a.m. showing because of my schedule. But there was a few people in there and I just heard a lot of murmuring. Like when that... <laughs> <laughs> think it was the good kind i don't think it was like the ooh, this is interesting it was like the what the hell are you doing kind of thing yeah. <laughs> that's what that's the reaction that i saw i'm i'm imagining a video i don't know if you folks seen it i'll send it to you if you haven't but there's um there's a, a rise of skywalker ending uh a video by an all an all an all raylo theater <laughs> And they were not they were not pleased at all. And just like I'm I'm just imagining that for, for Dragon Quest your story. <laughs> and then and then the, the people, the producers of the movie, I guess are in a little bit of trouble too, because I, I found out that um there's this novelist named I'm probably 
mispronouncing this, but to Saroi Kumi or something like that. S A O R I K U M I. Yeah, she's she's suing the producers of the film because she did some Dragon Quest V novels back in 1993, and of course the protagonist doesn't have a name from the in the game. So she came up with the name Ryuka as the protagonist, and that's the name that they use in the movie. So she's suing them for that and maybe some other things that she claims that they stole from her from when she did the novels. So that'd be is it to see how e- that comes out. Even if they changed it to Luka? I don't think it was Ry- Was it Ryuka? And I don't think I remember hearing that. It's the, in the... It's the R and L sound again. It's yeah. it's Luke. It's right. Uh, yeah. Okay, but I didn't think I thought it was I thought I was hearing more of the Luca. I didn't hear a Ryuka. I think it at just, all. I did I just, I just think it just depends on how you pronounce it, but that's it was the same name that from the novel. All right. Uh, yeah, it makes now, sense. Makes sense. When did when did the novels come out? Nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. Okay. I mean, one one would think since since she is since she is writing novels for someone else's and for someone else's intellectual property that they would that they would retain all rights. I mean, one one would think that that would be in her contract and something explicitly stated up front. Yeah. And, I don't just, I don't know how it works in Japan. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Because like, I know, I know they do like fan comics and, um, or, or like, I think, I think a Disney got in trouble a while back cause they had hired a fan artist for their frozen two pr- promotion. And I think the, the artist plagiarized, they did something, I don't know, but, uh, but ultimately it falls on, uh, Disney because you know whatever the whatever the artist did or the writers the writers did that's still their own you know they're still their own ip and going back to disney um don rosa who did a lot of a lot of uh, uncle scrooge comics um has talked about well these are my original stories and all that but i mean but disney still owns everything because it's disney's characters mm. so interesting to see how how that'll pan out mm. well this just um Pendy's getting a lawsuit over his pronunciation of her name. <laughs> I, I just got a text about that. It's coming. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get my lawyers. One of my final thoughts about, about the movie, um, why, why did Nira suddenly turn off her feelings and actively manipulate the hero into choosing Bianca? Um, and how do you think it would have turned out if the hero had actually chosen Nira instead of Bianca? Well, I think I think they, they kind of touched on that in the game because they said, like, after they show the, the kid in the machine and all his instructions mm-hmm. and things like that, they he's, he says that, like, oh, I really want to, you know, I really love Bianca, but, you know, just for the heck of it, because I always pick her, I'll go with Nera and and uh, and do, like, a suggestion for the game to have me do it. But then the, the kid that runs the game, the Tuppence guy, he says, like, oh, yeah, the, the game will knows what you want and it will come up with different programs and new programs on the fly and mm-hmm. i think this happened is that the nara program like knew that like he really wants in his subconscious he really wants to marry bianca mm-hmm. so where they come up with the whole witch character and that whole little subplot and they they have that whole scene after he drinks the potion where it like it bursts through the suggestion that he puts into the game to marry nara and then it goes into his subconscious Mm-hmm. is Bianca, and that's what inspires him to to make the choice of what who he really wants to be with. Yeah, and that scene right there is the biggest foreshadowing. Yeah, of the ending. Yeah, because well, of the menus. Yeah, <laughs> the, well, the, like the literally sequence. flying through menus. Yeah, <laughs> well, also because of like when you look at the bubbles and like everything down below, everything's real pixelated looking. 
real True. square rather than being just like you know what uh, what he's supposed to be underwater like what a normal bubble would look like just a standard circle with the reflection to it how it all looked very um how would i put it like pixelated. yeah like more pixelated or more built rather than being more natural so but definitely the menu part that definitely seemed like okay this is kind of weird that and i think that is one of the biggest things of the foreshadowing because i'm like the two references where they say like oh it's different this time you're gonna not you might not catch those whereas with that part where he's going through after drinking the potion and like floating through the water and going through the menus that's like dead giveaway you can't miss that unless you hmm. just go to the bathroom during that point of the movie right yeah well yeah, I, I actually it's just more like a stylistic off. choice yeah than, uh, I, with the beginning of the movie i kind of just wrote yeah exactly i thought it was a stylistic choice so i i didn't uh i just kind of ignored that and didn't think like oh that's part of this uh vr simulation <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i mean i guess it could have played out pretty much the same going all the way through. I mean, I guess you'd have to mention the Briscolettis or Zenithian blood somewhere, but I mean, they kind of just blew that off with Bianca anyway. Oh, it looks like you might have been adopted. Someone well, cast in, a spell on you. In the <laughs> game, uh, in the game, I think I think there's like a little bit of a, a little bit of a throwaway line somewhere. I mean, and please please uh, uh correct me if I'm misremembering something, but it it mentions that like Bianca and Flora are sisters and they were separated and they were adopted somewhere yep. in there. So yeah. Yeah. That is true. I, we were actually just talking about that on the den, I think, yesterday, because um, there is a part later in the game where it does, and even the DS when it talks about it too, with how Deborah might be a sister as well. It does talk about that no matter which of the brides you choose, you end up with uh, a child who can wield the sword. And I think, I don't remember what character says it, but something is said where it talks about how there were some Zenithians and there was like a family of them, or it might be in party chat where Nira, Bianca, and Deborah all kind of point out like, well, I did sort of feel this connection with Bianca or I felt this connection with Nira like I've known her for a really long time even though we may have just seen each other for the first time or whatever exactly it words it so you you're you aren't wrong on that part Dwayne but it's been a while since I played it so I don't remember exactly what point it is where they say that but something is mentioned about that so what kind of assholes do we have in the future where we're writing viruses for arcade machines that's <laughs> <laughs> so targeted and so limited i mean if it's something it depends on it it depends on the, uh the type of arcade uh really because like dragon quest i wouldn't i wouldn't think anyone would write a virus for that a sonic game i would totally write a virus for to change <laughs> sonic to either cold steel or sonichu Oh my god! <laughs> oh boy! Oh. And it's like you know, you you know somewhere. Well, I guess somewhere in the in the abandoned external uh, hard, hard drives of the animation studio that got shut down after they made the Sonic movie, uh, that there is a model of Sonic as either Sonichu or Cold Steel the Hedgehog. It's like you know, you know, the animators made one. Well, I'm just going to assume that with this new Sonic movie that came out, like, the ending is going to be the old design of Sonic comes out of nowhere and is like, I'm the real Sonic. Who's this fake? And it's some sort of fight to the death. And the thing is, it just like, and, and again, as a, as a, as an artist and a designer, sometimes, sometimes clients make, make choices that we don't always agree with. So what we do, we'll stash away drafts. <laughs> just like we'll just we'll just keep this here just in case <laughs> and i imagine that's what that's what they did it's like we're just gonna have this it actually isn't um 
because uh, my wife's friend uh, worked on the redesign. Um, oh, really? She was, yeah, she was over visiting uh, for Christmas uh, oh, from cool. Japan, and uh, and she, I think the redesign at that point had been uh, distributed to the internet and everyone loved it much more than the original and she was very pleased at that but they actually spent a good number of months working like really really hard on on i guess just like redesigning and remapping everything oh well tell me uh tell me more about that in dm because i would love to hear about that yeah absolutely and and like and like the Sonic movie that we should all go and see because they actually listened to the fans and made something nice. Uh, uh, Square Enix did go out of their way to make something nice for us. And they spent the money to make it look very pretty. They spent the money to give us a really good dub. So mm-hmm. I think all Dragon Quest fans owe it to themselves. At least at least sit down, watch it once. Maybe we can get a timestamp on the on the ending so we so we can tell people where to pause it just in case. <laughs> <laughs> stop here um and and i mean if fans if fans like it show your friends uh see if they like it too um show some kids see if they see if they enjoy it too see if that inspires them to pick up one of the games uh because every every little piece of dragon quest media that we can support here and here in the states we should because it helps yeah and i would say don't if you're gonna like go on netflix just don't write a review that's bad you know just because you hate the ending because the overall it's the movie is the movie is pretty solid for the dq5 story elements (laughs) and if you want to write a review that says just that go for it but i wouldn't like put like shit stars just because the ending sucked yeah because it's because it's still it's still a a uh, perfectly enjoyable film up until that point <laughs> and there's not many movies you can say about like that about like if a typically if a movie ends poorly it just it's a bad movie yeah yeah i mean i saw i, I saw hustlers in the theater and that was the worst movie i've ever seen and so now i judge every movie by that and so <laughs> it was definitely better than hustlers <laughs> <laughs> worst movie you've ever seen that's <laughs> i'm sure you've seen a lot of movies i've, I've seen a bold I've seen statement some, i've seen some bad movies <laughs> and, and it's not that it's it's not that the acting in the movie was bad at all just like just the story was bad and the characters were just ugly <laughs> like, i hated that movie so much but that's gonna get long but yes it's much better than hustlers uh, all right are we uh, are we at uh mary thwack puff puff at this point i think we should and you know what this is a great time to point out that you know this nice little short episode it has easily passed into the realm of being our longest episode ever <laughs> oh really oh wow so Zachary, I don't know if we're going to blame you on that one or not. <laughs> well, I am part of the episode, so yes, you, you are. should probably go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you, you, were just, you were the longest one before that? Yes, he was. <laughs> I held the record, baby. I'm still holding that record. Well, that was Dragon <laughs> Quest Seven, so that's understandable. <laughs> oh, we could have talked about that for that. a lot longer if yeah. I were. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, we're at like two and a half hours now. I'm sure all of you listening, it's less because I use a compression software to get rid of some of our silence. So maybe we're like two hours and 10 minutes. But uh, unless we stopped talking in like the next five seconds, we <laughs> are probably going over. Although we're right in our realm of our normal episode length. So thank uh, you. Uh, there's that solid 20 long. minutes when we just breathed heavily. Just <laughs> breathing <laughs> intensifies. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Oh, okay. Well, that sound is so moving weird right along. Head. I was gonna say your breathing might intensify, Dwayne, when we ask you to answer the uh, Mary Thwack Puff Puff question. So, uh, well, one can only hope. <laughs> we're, we're obviously keeping this your story themed. So, since we don't have Deborah in here, uh, we had to. Uh, Pick somebody else to make our three DQ characters. So, Dwayne, we'll start with you. You're uh, Mary Thwack Puff Puff, and everybody else think about this too, is Bianca and Nera, obviously. But we're going to throw Mata in there. Oh, I was uh, I was hoping you'd say grandmas. Yeah, uh, <laughs> how about Nera as grandmas? Oh, that makes it too easy. Mm. Well, okay, I'm sorry, but who are you guys talking about with grandmas? I don't recognize that name. Grandmas that's... is the is the witch character from Dragon Quest Six, um, but that's essentially who Nira transforms into when she's manipulating the hero. Oh, that wait, that's the old lady that Millie's yeah. with in that game. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, right. I know yeah. What you're Okay. Yeah, she's called. Oh, she's called something else in the new version. Yeah, what's her name? Because she speaks in the third person whenever she says her name, but I don't remember what it is. It's some like fortune telling pun, I think, but I just can't. I just can't remember it right now. Yeah. So as far Pendy, as like, as far as like, oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry, Dwayne, are you are you answering first? Oh yes, I will. Okay. I will answer first. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and thwack Mata because she's just. She's just destined to die anyway. Well, you just opened the door to Nadiria. Oh, well. Had to be done. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be done. I have to. I'm a Doesn't loser. Matter. I have I'll to fake anyway. The virus just got out. <laughs> Puff, Puff, Nira. Killed the movie. Um, Mary, just like Mary Bianca. It's no question to me. All right. Nira is very nice, but Bianca's more endearing. So, easy choice. Okay, Pendy. So... Especially being in the the Dragon Quest kind of world that it is, where life is a little more more tough than it is in these modern times, I would I would say marry Nera because of the money, <laughs> get the easy life, uh, puff puff Bianca, and then uh, with Mata I, once again, she she is destined to die. So thwack uh, Mata. Wow, you guys all are into the milfs, I guess. So uh, I, I'll go on with my uh, wand and. Kind of throw a curveball I d- here. I, I don't want to marry or puff puff my mother. I mean, I'm from I'm from Texas, but I'm not from that deep in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> deep in the heart of Texas. In the heart of Texas. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, if you if you do that, if you start singing that, we will clap and respond. <laughs> So like, it's, it's just like the Pee Wee like movie. It's just like the Pee Wee movie. Pee Wee nailed it. If, if you oh, told me man. that's true, I'll believe it. No, 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 it's true. We'll do it. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'll go here because uh, my, my answers will be different. Um, I am not going to kill Mata. I'm going to marry Mata. You know, something. she's a queen. She's a queen. It may not be implied in the movie, but I want money. I want power. I'm going to marry Mata. You, uh, got, you marry her in the bubble? Well, you know, it's all my story. I can make it up as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to delete that from the code. I'm going to find that hacker. And you know what? Now that I'm royal, I can pay for a little bit more. And hey, dude, hack this away. Change this. You can do uh, that. I, <laughs> the movie establishes that because I think uh, like at one point he says, hey, throw in some robots, will you? And uh, Exactly. Oh, that was a great line. That line then played out. It, it, it had meaning later. Just like the whole, I'm going to choose Nera, I'm going to choose Nera, I'm going to choose Nera. Who I'm going to thwack. I'm going to thwack Nera, I'm going to puff puff Bianca. And we can move on from there, Liam. <laughs> uh, Pendy, you, you, did you go yet? He did. Yeah, I did, I did. Oh, you, oh, oh okay. All right. Um, and Yangus. All right. Um, 
That's Thwackmata. Uh, Mary. No, no. Uh, <laughs> so when do you guys want to open Nadiria? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, I can get, recruit the really good monsters at that point of the game, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. So, um, yeah, with Thwackmata, Puff Puff Bianca, and Mary Nira, mainly because of the money, but also because, <laughs> and this is going back to the game itself, there are certain points where you talk to her, where you talk to her via the party chat, and she says some pretty suggestive things. It's like, oh, you might be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and also like, oh, uh, and also just like um uh along the way um ludman's like servants will, will like drop by and give you presents too right That's right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I did I, look I would... into that one thing before Dwayne with um if they're related or not, and it is why a Lodja goes after your wife regardless of which one you pick because all three of them are related to Zenithians, and it's implied at a later point in the game that they might all be sisters since they do kind of feel like they recognize one another. But the main reason why Lodja turns them to stone is because all three of them are descendants of Zenithians, so there is technically a relationship between them whether it is their actual sisters or not yeah mm. that that and he's a dick <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> he's got a weird fetish with turning people to stone man <laughs> yeah um i would marry nira puff puff bianca and thwack the ending of the movie <laughs> oh boy well there's some food for thought everyone all right and on that note we're gonna thwack the uh, end of this podcast here <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume at this point you're just going to cut off all of our dialogue and start playing the Monty Python organ music, right? That we were talking about before. <laughs> it's, just five, it's just five minutes of that for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> we're going to make sure this one is the longest slime time, no matter what happens afterwards. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Slime Time. We do want to thank everyone for joining us here to talk about the new movie. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me back on again. You're welcome. So, everyone out there, you might have noticed that the only time we ever mention Patreon on this podcast is when we say we don't use Patreon. We're just some longtime fans that want to speak out about the game series we know and love so much. If you do have any money you would like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudas.com slash den and click on support this site. Wudas has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den for over 20 years, and I'm sure he'd appreciate any donation. Or you could use his Amazon affiliate links there, make any purchases, especially right about now, Dragon Quest 11s or any of the 3DS games, Dragon Quest Builders 2. There's always a lot of stuff to buy, and a small fraction of that sale will go to support the den. And if you're an advertiser and you're looking for a cool new podcast to spend lots of ad revenue on, check us out at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any comments or questions for us, you can find us on Twitter at platym 3 or at Riyama Celestrian, or hit us up both simultaneously at DQ Slime Time, and that's it. <laughs> oh, show notes left over from last time. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, uh, we have a new sponsor actually. Um, it's it's I can't I can't uh, pronounce his name, but um, it says here he he wants he came up with the idea for Dragon Quest Your Story's ending, and he wants to positively promote the ending. Oh no! Oh dear! What we've made we've made a huge mistake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That is right. The virus has been here all along. It was me. 
Oh, man. Now people are creating viruses for podcasts. This has really gone downhill. <laughs> Take that, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> We've been hacked by Russia. Someone help. <laughs> oh, consider joining in tons of Dragon Quest discussions like the one we're having right now at the Dragon's Den forums. One of the few remaining forums still around. You can find it on Dragon's Den main page or at www.wudis.com slash forums. I know I'm posting there what I'm playing and and we've got a big spoilers thread on the movie. So a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about tonight, there's a whole long thread going on about that. Um, we'd like to thank everyone that made tonight possible, like Woodus for his support of the series and this podcast, and keeping the Dragon Sands lights on for decades now. Thanks to Amanda LaPree and the Descendants of Erdrick for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Erdrick is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard, check them out and their most recent album, Advent, at www.descendantsoferdrick.com or on Twitter at D of Erdrick. Or go see their band leader, Amanda LaPree, live on tour as a guitarist with Andrew WK. Our next one we get to do in person right now. Thank you to Dwayne our wonderful graphic artist and Dragon Quest fan for making the artwork cover for this podcast. Uh, Dwayne, as you might... That piece was, was a lot of fun to make. I got to I got to play around and procreate, um, which is a program that I'm trying I'm trying to learn on the iPad, and that was that was one of the, the pieces that like just like okay I'm kind of kind of starting to get into a groove and learn this program. So yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. Well, we're, you're welcome for us <laughs> asking you to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dwayne was back on the original iteration of Slime Time podcast, what, five, seven years ago? And he's on this episode tonight. You can I'm check so out. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more like eight years ago, right? Because you, you guys were talking about, uh, you're like, man, I can't wait until Dragon Quest X gets released next year. <laughs> and oh, we all get to play it. Which, one, of, uh, <laughs> one of the art books I got, uh, it, came out, it came out last month, uh, and it should be here soon. It's, uh, it's a Dragon Quest X art book. It's a 500-page art book. Wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, so I'll let you know how that goes. All right, definitely. If you will uh, hear from Dwayne for about a few months. He's looking <laughs> through that, trying to get everything translated out. <laughs> uh, if you like Dwayne's, if you like what he said here, or if you like our cover, you can check out more of his work at Dwayne Art on Instagram or on his website at DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com. And if you're looking for more DQ podcasts, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Uh, please also check out our fellow Dragon Quest podcasts available like Puff Puff Hour and Dragon Quest FM. Bye, everybody. Bye. Keep on keeping it gangsta with your G's on the west side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm girl, girl up, losers. <laughs> DQ's time time. Oh, <laughs> timing off. <laughs> <laughs>